Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. We've got a great show for you today. Pretty soon we'll be blasting off to Bajor to talk about the second two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, A Man Alone, and Past Prologue. And before that, we're going to be talking about growing meat in space for the space news. But first things first, we got a new comment on the last episode of the podcast, episode 130, about our Firefly discussion with Jane. Uh, This is from Chris Healy. He says, I enjoyed the tangents you and Jane went on discussing other sci-fi series and movies you liked in this episode of the podcast. I'm curious to learn if you watched the Dark Matter series and what you thought since it's based off a comic book. The three seasons are on Netflix. I feel like it started a little slow, but became more enjoyable as the characters got fleshed out. First of all, Chris, I'm really glad to hear you enjoyed our tangents because I love tangents. I think that's become pretty clear at this point, and I am going to continue to go on tangents. So I have this like voice in the back of my head telling me, you should keep things on track. You're hosting a podcast, you idiot. But then I get really sidetracked by whatever tangents we're talking about, and I love it. So I'm, I'm going to try to get that voice to shut up and just go with it. Um, And then also, Dark Matter. I watched half of the first episode of Dark Matter, and it did not really catch my interest right off the bat, but I've heard from a lot of people that it's worth watching, so I'm going to put that back on my shows that I should check out again list. So thank you for that recommendation. I love hearing from you. You can leave a comment on any episode of this podcast at my website, jessemercury.com, and you can also email me directly at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. All right, let's get started with the space news. Here's Alexandria and myself talking about the first lab-grown space meat. Space news! All right, Alexandria, are you ready for some space news? Let's do it. This is a little bit of a different story, and this one I found very interesting. Astronauts just grew meat in space for the first time. I'm sorry. (laughs) Astronauts just grew meat in space for for the first time. And I just want to show you, it says... Space meat. It just says it in all caps. I really like that. Space meat. This is from futurism.com. In 2018, Israeli-based food tech startup Aleph Farms made a breakthrough in the alt-meat industry by creating the world's first lab-grown steak. Alt-meat? Alt-meat, yes. Okay, keep going. A hunk of cell-cultured meat that mimicked the texture and structure of the beef you'd find at the supermarket. So this, yeah, this happened like last year. Did you hear about this when it happened? No. Yeah, someone grew a hunk of meat. (laughs) <laughs> so let's just start there. Do you have any interest in no. eating? <laughs> no interest in eating lab-grown meat. No. What if, uh, what if like climate change gets us to the point where sustainably farming real animals is no longer an option? Are you then interested in lab-grown meat? Or what about like the moral and ethical questions of? Of eating other this creatures. Is a, why in the world? This. Oh. Okay. So I do eat meat. I eat meat as well. I do. Yeah. Um, I've dabbled in vegetarianism, but I've come back to meat. I have not dabbled in vegetarianism because I love meat. 
And I have found that the way that helps me, I guess, feel better about eating meat is to find local butchers, for lack of a better word. Okay. I think that's a great Do you know what I mean? Great solution. Yeah. And pay the little bit more money to get what I feel like is better quality and or... Better, better treated animals. Better treated I, animals. I love that. I'm I'm actually right on board with that. Um, I my thing is that I I feel like eating meat might be a privilege that we don't recognize it to be yeah. yet because um, there's a lot of talk about you know the sustain the future sustainability of the planet in general, let yeah. alone you know agriculture and um, like a lot of people say that or a lot of scientists say that you should try to limit your meat intake to try to reduce you know your carbon output to try to save the planet a little bit at a time. Wow. Uh, so for those reasons, the idea of lab-grown meat is really interesting to me personally because, you know, who knows? Maybe someday meat will be ex- an exorbitant expense that only the richest can afford. Can I also say that I had to fight my first inclination, which was when you said, in the future, what if, due to climate change, and my first inclination was like, I plan on being wealthy enough to still eat meat while y'all hoes suffer. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to mean it as a joke, and then obviously, for sure, someone would hear it and like soundbite it, and then when I get famous, she said she'd eat meat, and so then it'd be over. Well, I think we all plan on being <clears throat> ultra-wealthy someday, and I think that almost no, no, no. none of us are going to make but it. We all don't plan on it. I, it's not that I'm planning on it. I just hope to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. The So, Beefy Science. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So, the company hopes to one day provide access to nutritious, slaughter-free meat to everyone on Earth and maybe everyone in space, too, as astronauts have now used Aleph's process to successfully grow meat on the International Space Station. So, this process can be replicated in a zero-G environment. So, they're eating... Are they? But are they eating it? Does the well, article see. say if let's they're see. if the people on the ISS let's learn are more. eating lab meat? The first of its kind experiment took place uh, in the Russian segment of the International Space Station on September twenty sixth, twenty nineteen, according to an Aleph press release published on Monday. The astronauts used a three D bioprinter developed by Russian company three D Bioprinting Solutions to coax bovine cells shipped from Earth into forming muscle tissue. In other words, they grew a tiny piece of beef in microgravity. I don't they didn't grow enough to eat. eat. This is like a first step. Uh, to and first a three D bioprinter where we can bioprint three D bio things. <laughs> That, mm-hmm. We're just getting like closer and closer to a replicator from Star Trek. But in Star Trek, uh, in in their fictional science, matter and energy have been found to be interchangeable. So you can convert matter into energy and then back into matter in a different form. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a three D printer is obviously you know totally different. Um, where you're taking matter and rearranging it, it never converts into energy. So not as cool, but still very cool. Yeah. But I've never heard of three D printing being done with um, meat with organic material. Yeah. Yeah. That's just really interesting. Uh, the proof of concept experiment not only illuminates a path to providing astronauts aboard the ISS or even further out in space with fresh meat, but it also demonstrates the ability of Aleph's process to work under extremely hostile conditions. We are proving that cultivated meat can be produced anytime, anywhere, in any condition. Aleph CEO Didier Tubia told the garden, the Guardian, not the Garden. We can prov- potentially provide a powerful solution to produce the food closer to the population needing it at the exact and right time it is needed. 
So yeah, this is all fascinating. I mean, when we think about the future of space travel, space exploration, colonization, yeah. what are we going to eat? That's a big deal. Like, that's a big thing that people think about. You know, if you watch The Martian and he's like um, using his own poop to fertilize potatoes in Martian soil, uh, that did not sound appetizing. But yeah. if we can use a 3D bioprinter to um, to use our poop to grow into meat, I don't think that's how it works. I just made that Oof. up. Um yeah, that's gross. But if we can take like bovine cells and 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 print more and grow more wherever we are in the galaxy, that's a good source of protein for anyone anywhere anytime. What do you think? Yeah. I don't know. I still have I have full like hesitations about this. What are your hesitations? Just lab-grown meat. Uh I mean, I guess in a way that it could be very helpful for not having to pack the food out. You wouldn't have to pack the food to go up yeah. into space because you're going to be able totally. to just create it. Yeah, I mean, as we discussed in a previous space news, everything you pack with you is, you know, really important on a space mission because right. you got to get that that thrust for the escape velocity. Yeah. The more you have on board, the harder that becomes to do. Right. Heavier things are harder to lift. Yeah, that's true. That's um, science, and we know that from science-ing also just like i just feel i feel a weird i feel a weird thing about lab grown things i feel a weird like mm, i'm not sure about this y'all yeah or like hey you guys i have questions that's how i feel i don't even know if i have the questions that say that that the answer to me saying i have questions but i feel like i have questions yeah i'm apprehensive about it yeah i mean i've spent so much time reading fiction that you know the food supply was limited in space or post-apocalyptic whatever we don't have food mm -hmm. that the idea of being able to take a machine with you where you could grow food anywhere is like a huge solution to a a problem that could plague the humanity's future in many different ways not just space travel but here on earth one of the books that i read one of the series of the in the dystopian fiction books that i read uh i don't remember which one it was probably uh uh, I don't know, probably the Matched series. Don't quote me. Um, they had like cans of food. Mm -hmm. Was that Matched? Where they had cans of food? Or was that another series that I just loved? I just All the series kind of like run into my brain. Run together in my brain. But no, because Matched was when they had the specific portions for each person. Right? Weird. Um, it just seems like we're headed toward like canned because one of the things was like, ooh, buffalo chicken, but it was in a can. Okay. And so like they were like, oh, they opened up the can of buffalo chicken and like had, had food. Yeah. And it was just weird of like, oh, it's a can of buffalo chicken. Yeah, but you can't like can up enough chicken to support a colony on another planet. That's just not possible. I don't know. I mean, it's it's only going to last for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Like if you like the, this show, The Last Man on Earth, where there was this virus that kind of wiped out everyone. They lived off canned food for a while. It starts to run out. You got to grow food somewhere. Yeah. So um, food has to be sustainable. So in they're going to want to grow meat. Yeah. Why not? So in that question, if, if, and especially if me eating meat is like, you know, reducing the carbon or not eating meat will help you reduce your carbon footprint or your, and, and the effect that you have on the climate. Yeah. Why not just take it as a sign when all the meat is gone and then eat plants? Yeah, well, I, I mean, try to grow meat. I actually, I can't fault that logic. Um, yeah, I mean, there's... Because of the things tough. you could I mean, grow this is a, a question print. for philosophers, you know. Like, print me a good salad. 
but yeah. like and i i've been vegetarian for a couple of years i know that it can be done um and i eat i'd say i mean i i have some meat in my diet but not too much i don't buy too much meat to take home but when i eat out i will order meat mm-hmm. um and i really like plant-based foods i just really like the way they taste and i like cooking that more well not more but it's you know fun I, I like it so i'm into it and i there's this part of me that feels like you know enjoy the meat now while i can because it might become um scarce scarce in the future if yeah. climate change goes the way that you know some scientists predict that it will yeah um so i don't know i mean should humans try to extend beyond the natural means of our planet like that's a that's an interesting question like mm-hmm. are we still human if we if we leave this world behind, you know, I think so. But but that's because I grew up on Star Trek and all this shit where yeah. I feel like the extent of the human experience can go as far as as the extent of the human imagination someday with enough technology and, and study. So I have no, I, I have no immediate reaction to, negative reaction to eating lab-grown meat if that's a solution to an issue. If eating lab-grown meat allows me to go and visit another planet and maybe take a vacation on Mars, then I'll sign sign me up. I'll yeah. eat it. I'll chow down on some lab-grown meat. Uh, you know, there is also this question of, like, we. I feel like we don't really know everything about how food affects our bodies. There's, yeah. like, a lot going on about, like, is organic better or worse yeah. um, for not just ourselves, but for the planet? Is, like, GMO food better or worse? And... I was know, talking wait. about that recently, too, because as a black person, like, soul food is still being... is heavily criticized, right? Like... Hmm. What do you mean? For, like... Um, like, too fatty or something? Fatty. Like, it's, like, the cause of what we've... of, like, heart disease and, like, the things that huh. we have been... Things that are, like prevalent in the black community but um, so delicious (laughs) could be attributed to like our our ways of eating that have been passed down through generations like interesting from slavery times we were only given certain cuts of meat so we made do with that and so we are supposed to uh a lot of people think that we should evolve our palates and not go back to those certain cuts of meat because those are what's ultimately killing us and then like so that vegan and plant-based all of that is coming up and vegetarian is coming up in like the black community of like oh wow try something new try not soul food or whatever and i'm just like i don't know if i can give it up yeah <laughs> so i don't know but also i don't know how food really does affect my body or if it or if all of these things are uh, for lack of a better word like a fad or a trend yeah you know what i mean like, like avocado it, toast sure um, it's like, I'm, I say sure like that because that became like a staple for the millennial to, to tell us millennials that we are like lazy or stupid or yeah. whatever. Not the fact that like we can't own homes because we're only being paid $15 an hour and we're straddled with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in student debt. But no, let's blame it on avocado toast. <laughs> But anywho, I mean, just saying, like, yeah. I so I wonder if lab-grown meat will be a thing in the future that we we just don't even think about. We just eat it. But to me, I'm like, mm, it just gives me pause. Yeah. Just I, like, my, I mean, to relate it to what I just said, it gives me pause just as, like, people telling me that I should be vegan or vegetarian gives me pause about soul food because I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to give up yeah. fried chicken, collard greens, sweet potatoes, yeah. my mama's chitlins, nobody else's, and, you know, all of those good things that I eat on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't think that you and should butter. have to, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of different, I've tried a lot of different diets and I've, you know, experimented with my own body and uh, my taste for food has become, you know, 
more towards like the organic, like fresh, like plant-based stuff, even though I do eat meat also. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've seen the way I eat. You, you, la- you call it rabbit food. You laugh Ugh, all the time. It's but it's just, it's just what I like. You know, I, I feel I better. I shouldn't yuck someone else's yum, but y'all, he gave me these crackers this one time. He was like, I love these crackers. You should try it. And I like ate one and I was like, mmm. Yeah, but I've also tried your cooking. And, and it's been cooking. terrible, right? No, it's no, awesome. No, it's, my, so it's, it it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And oh, I, I did make you that real buttery mac and cheese you that did. one time. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then your mom made food for your birthday party. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, and it was awesome. I mean, I I I get bothered when people try to um, push their food choices on other people. I say, make your own choices. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't tell you. body is different. Eat this meat. Yeah. You wouldn't tell me to not eat those crackers because right. you didn't. And I, I kept didn't. eating them. You, you absolutely did. You actually wanted me to eat them so I could get them out of your face. Yes, please have um, all the crackers. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't I don't want to come down on one side or another of anyone's food choices. Yeah. But I think what is interesting is um, the way that climate change could affect our food choices in the future. Where right now we have options and what if we don't someday? Mm-hmm. Um, and then having these... Uh, these options in the pipeline, you know, we're already working towards having something that could fill in the gaps on other planets or on this planet should food become scarce. I think that's great. I think that um, while climate change is terrifying, technology gives me hope and Mm. uh, technological breakthroughs like this make me excited because I'm like, well, maybe we can survive. And I'm just trying to be an optimist. I love that. That's why I like this. Because I was about to say something also really sad. Like, I feel like also this whole conversation comes from a place of privilege because there are people who don't even have a choice with what they're eating and like, just barely making it by with what they can get. And that is a problem that we have now that we should be trying to address now, like on a planet wide scale. I really wish that our planet could come together and address these issues of, you know, um, like population and and food yeah. and um, like hunger climate, and poverty. hunger poverty, yeah. just on a global scale. Like I, I, you know, in in the Star Trek world, the way that that happens is um, we barely survive World War Three, and then we are visited by aliens like the Vulcans from another planet who have this high society and seeing that we aren't alone in the galaxy is what brings everyone together Mm. and i just don't want it to take world war three for us to come together and say you know what yes i mean you're a republican i'm a democrat but we we all want to eat and have healthy children i am not a republican he's talking he was talking (laughs) um metaphorically yes um Right. I, I just wish that it wasn't like, I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, not you personally. <laughs> and that means that you don't believe that climate change is real and don't care about the future of the planet, because that's what it feels like a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I always want, I think that that's what gives me pause about technological advances, because I'm like, okay, that's great, but there's so much that's happening already right now. Can we try to use some of our brilliance and intelligence to fix some of these other really huge problems that we have? Yes. Absolutely, oh, thousand percent. And I know yes. that there's a way to do both, right? Yeah. You can have, you can think about that at the same time. Right. I just, I struggle with like going like, oh, this is so cool, but also like, ah, do we need this? Yeah, and I do know there are Republicans that believe in climate change, and you know that tide is starting to shift. Yeah. But I don't understand the hesitation to accept what science is telling us. It's like what what scientist is trying to get one over on you by telling you that the world could end if we don't change our behavior. Right. I think it's like people just being af- afraid of change and unwilling to change when in fact um change can be wonderful, you mm-hmm. know? Like change can be freeing and and make you healthier and happier 
And sometimes the things that make you unhealthy and unhappy are the things that you're just dug into. So why not be open to change? And why not be open to saving the planet if that is an option for us to have? That's something I don't understand at all. Um, But that's the space news. Hey, space news. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you weren't expecting that. Space news! All right, space nerds, let's get into our Deep Space Nine discussion. So this was originally live streamed on my YouTube page on October 12th, 2018. So just about a year ago. We're a year behind on these Doug Space Nine live streams getting on the podcast. But these live streams are still happening. If you'd like to join us uh, in in real time for an actual live stream, you can find that at my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. Links are in the description of this podcast. So, in this episode, we'll be talking about the second two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, A Man Alone, and Past Prologue. Here we go. There, it's, it's when you can see the this thing and you see the red, that's when we're live. All right. Uh, well, so, the, we're live. The bit rates are going. Yeah, exactly. It's happening. Are we Doug ready? Space nine. <laughs> Doug Space Nine. <laughs> Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. This is Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. <laughs> oh, we should just stop. It's not gonna. It's not gonna That's get it. better. This is the best. That was it. That was the best part of the show. That's our faith of the heart. <laughs> that is our faith of the heart. <laughs> oh, fuck that song. That song is terrible. No, that song is great. No, that song <laughs> is so bad. Yeah, it's wonderful. No, you just need to listen to it a lot. Um. Dude, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I hosted the uh, the opening ceremonies for the Star Trek exhibit at the EMP, and I I actually hosted a sing along of that song <laughs> at one point on stage. I'm just oh. it was like towards the end of the night, and there weren't that many people left, and I just got up on stage. And I'm like, all right, this is a little weird, but this is what I want to do. So can we like sing this song together? And I stood there and sang the whole song a cappella by myself. Oh, and like and some people sang along with me and towards the end this like drunk crowd was just like it's been a long road. <laughs> it was so it was so great but mostly just like crickets from the rest of the clou- crowd. It was I mean there wasn't much of a crowd then anyway. Please but tell me that's on video fun. somewhere. I don't know. I don't have a video of it, but uh, someone does. I know the, if you have a video of this, please yeah. contact the show. I, you know, I'll ask uh, Kevin because he works there and he's the video person. Anyway, hello everybody. Hello! Amanda, Emerald, Adam, John. What is up, my friends? Romper Stomper. Oh, you Star haven't Trek met Trek Adam Trek. yet. Yeah, Hi, this Adam. is Doug. The Doug of Doug Space Nine. I am the Doug of Doug Space Nine. <laughs> oh man, Super Hamster loves the Enterprise theme. I guess I'm in the minority here. I think that song is garbage. I can't wait till we get to do that. Episode uh, by episode. I love that show. I mean, the show is awesome, and I would love to talk about that show. Do you skip the theme when you listen to it? Uh, yeah, I skip See, that's the, the theme. Problem. You can't skip the theme. That's how you learn to love the theme, if you uh, watch the theme. I have watched... The, well, the thing is, I watched it before I could skip the theme. Mm-hmm. Like... I watched that show when it was on TV on, uh, what channel was it? UPN? UPN. Yeah, on UPN. Um, And and I had to sit through that theme for every episode. So, like, when I watch it on DVD, I'm like, I've done my time. DVD, what am I saying? On Netflix. I've done my time. I'm I'm not listening to it again. Yeah, but you get a binge listen to it, and then you'll get an appreciation for it. I still remember the feeling of my heart sinking when I saw the the pilot of that episode and heard the theme song, I was like, what the yeah, fuck? It's totally. NASCAR in space. Why are they doing NASCAR in space? 
Yet I have come uh, around, much like uh, you will on Discovery, and come to embrace Enterprise and everything about it, including the theme song. <laughs> welcome, Bala. Welcome, Wainsey. What's up, you guys? Yeah, I had that same feeling of disappointment when I first watched that show. I was like, oh my god, this theme song is terrible. <laughs> but unlike you, that never went away. <laughs> Although I really love that show. All right, you guys, we're talking about uh, Deep Space Nine, two, season one. Yeah, so we have to decide how we're going to number episodes, because this got really confusing for me this week. <laughs> because uh, this is Doug Space Nine, episode 002, <laughs> about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, S1E2, S1E3. So, okay, here's, here's my <laughs> Will problem. Will that fit in the YouTube title? <laughs> So, <laughs> hashtag originally, uh, past prologue aired before A Man Alone. What? Okay. Even though they were filmed in reverse order. Okay. But for some reason, Netflix has them on in the order they were produced and not the order they were aired. Okay. So, but the other problem is that the official production numbering <laughs> of Emissary is one and two, but Netflix just has it as one. Right. <laughs> so, like, an official production numbering. Past Prologue is episode three, and A Man Alone is episode four. But on Netflix, A Man Alone is episode two because they switched them, and right. Past Prologue is episode three. Right. So I don't know, like... I already when... told you. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just do Netflix numbering? Yeah, That's absolutely. what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. great. This is the problem when you have time hole worm aliens fucking things up. Yeah, totally. This is the fault of the wormhole aliens, the fact that the numbering is garbage. Uh, yeah, let's just use Netflix numbering, because yeah. I feel like that's how people are watching it. Absolutely. But I actually checked on Amazon Prime, because they have Deep Space Nine also, oh. and they have the correct order, so it's also different from Netflix. Let's, let's but it's still episodes two and three. Let's see what CBS All Access has it as, because yeah. they would be the final arbiters of right. numbering canon. I was going to check that, but I let my subscription lapse. Yeah, you better renew it, because Discovery's coming back, baby! <laughs> the worst part is that I'm going to. I'm sure I'm going to. I have to watch it. You do. Yeah. And love it. <laughs> <laughs> Best first 13 episodes of any Star Trek series so far. Ugh. Even though these episodes of Deep Space Nine are, like, aggressively mediocre, <laughs> they were still better than Discovery. <laughs> we'll see. We're only, at, we're only at three. We've got ten more. Yeah. Okay, so should we talk about these in the order that they are on Netflix? That means A Man Alone first, right? Yeah, let's okay, do it. Okay, yeah. let's do it. Well, let's talk about A Man Alone. So okay. this is the episode where uh, a Bajoran man tries to frame Odo for his own murder by cloning himself and killing his clone. <laughs> but Discovery's too weird for me. Oh, my God. This The premise of this episode is like is like a machination of Master Shake from the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It's like, obey me. No. Obey my clone. <laughs> it's oh my like God. such a... It's... I don't know. Can we just jump right into that? Let's... Uh, please. I spent the whole episode going, what the... F fuck happens to the clone that they made I know. just to solve the mystery. Me and too. They, they throw him away with, with one line like, oh, two hours after gaining <laughs> consciousness. consciousness and starting his new life in Good luck, society. asshole. They just made this dude out of particles that they found in somebody's quarters. He, was, like, he wasn't supposed to be made. He was a science right. experiment that turned into a creature. And that is the story of this episode and they just throw it away. They ignore it completely like what the fuck? That drove me me crazy right it, it drove me absolutely insane what is his life like because when he figures it out it'll be like oh i guess i have 
I would I call them clone brothers. One who probably only got to live for I'd say a couple hours, got a massage, and then stabbed in the back. Like that was what well, he just woke up, and then some dude who looked just like him said, "Hey, you're a clone, and guess what? We're billionaires, and you can have any life you want. Here, have a massage." Okay. Yeah, it literally makes no sense because the problem is that first of all, Ibudan is his name, right. and Ibudan is a great name. Yeah, and it's such a good name. I want to be named Ibudan. It sounds just, like the kind of guy who murders murder his own clone. <laughs> yeah. Ibudan, clone murder. Totally. <laughs> and that's that's actually the show that I want to. See, I want to see what happens <laughs> with Ibu Don's clone. We need a um, spinoff. I want like a web comic of of Ibu Don's clone. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Yeah, it's really okay. Anyway, so, so. the original Ibu Don clone that was killed, uh, that clone seemed to have memories of Odo. So what's that about? Like he, right. when Odo confronts him at Quark's at right. the Dabo table. Mm-hmm. He seems to know who he is and hate Odo already and like have oh. a problem with him. I went back and rewatched that scene and there is recognition there. So I th- so I think that's the uh, Ibadan Prime and then Ah, oh, you solved it. Ibadan only cre- before he put on the old man mask. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> In a world where you can get like casual prosthetic surgery <laughs> that look, look real. like anyone. When Odo can't even make his face uh-huh. look real, but you can buy a mask that looks real. What what what? It's in a, it's like it is actually a Scooby Doo ending. <laughs> Odo like grabs this man in a headlock and rips his mask off. I would have gone away for it. It's Ibudan. Who knew his face is a different shape? His face is thinner. How did that mask work? It should have been a hologram. Why why couldn't it have been like a a, a holographic hologram, unit? Surgery. Anything else? Surgery. Yeah. Anything that's been like established in Star Trek canon before? <laughs> but but no, it's just a fucking mask. Rubber it looked okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I interrupted. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's very funny because it's also like, uh, you know, humans have had that technology since Mission Impossible. So I know, that's The Bajorans are like 400 years behind yeah. in disguise tech. And that drove me crazy in a Mission Impossible. Like, Ethan Hunt was able to do this in the past, so I don't know why it bothers me. But, dude, this uh, this episode actually confirms that Star Wars takes place in the Star Trek universe. Okay, I have to hear this. It's, it's real, you guys. I wore a Star Wars shirt. This is all Stormtroopers. No, I wore Star Trek. Yeah, I keep wore wearing Star, Star Trek, Trek socks, and they're awesome. Look at that; they're beautiful. Did it make it up there? Uh, it did. It did make it up there. Good job. Look at how. By the way, look at that flexibility, dude. Dude, we forgot to mention that we're broadcasting from the past uh, on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yes. <laughs> because in in the show that you're watching right now, it takes place in the current timeline of Deep Space Nine. Doug's trying to open the door. I can't. Boop. Can you get it? <laughs> no. It's it made the noise. That was actually a really good nice. impersonation that was of that a good noise. One. I'm surprised at myself. <laughs> Congratulations. Now let's hear your bullshit Star Wars theory. Okay. Uh, when Odo goes through Ibudan's things and oh, no. and it shows where he's been, it says Alderaan Spaceport. <laughs> it actually says that. Like I read that on Memory Alpha and I went back to confirm it and you can see it. It says that. Okay, They're so in the same galaxy. So he same went galaxy. Either that or he was maybe like hopping through different galaxies. Right. But if that's the case, then it's still the same, you know, continuity. Right. Or he's just a liar. <laughs> yeah. That's that's proof. Didn't he also put Odo in there as someone who we had a meeting with? He did. Which was the last true. thing. The last thing on his list was just in all caps. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> like, what is that? Hope parentheses. Hope he doesn't murder me. Yeah. Did he put it on uh. his schedule with, did, to remind himself to frame Odo for murder? <laughs> is that what that is? 
<laughs> so, okay, so he ran into Ibudan Prime at right. the Dabo table. Yeah. That makes sense. And then and then he made a clone. And th- so maybe the clone's <laughs> only action in its whole life was getting stabbed <laughs> while getting a massage. <laughs> maybe that's the only thing the clone ever did. Right. He just had, like, no personality. He was alive for half an hour. Yeah, do you think he had a personality? Yeah, he had Ibadan's personality by by the logic they've had. So that's the other thing is that yeah. Ibadan, who's apparently some kind of uh, shitty dude, his clone has got to go like, oh, am I that shitty dude? Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> so Can does the he clone have be his own person? Does he, or is he have turn out to be the same Ibadan? I don't know. I mean, maybe the clone didn't know anything except this massage and then death. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's that's uh. what. I think it's implied. That's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, because it seems like the new clone has, like, no none of Ibudan's memories, maybe. Like, from what Dr. Bashir said, like, or what Odo said, let's hope he's nothing like the original. Oh, right. When they were talking about him. I got the impression that he didn't have any memories or a personality or anything. Oh, good call. It was just, like, a lump of flesh made right. sentient. Oh, which is also through so a science weird. experiment. Yeah, and it literally happens so, like, he's a lump of flesh when the riots start, and right. Bashir, like, looks out at the riots and then looks back at this lump of flesh, <laughs> and then you go to commercial. And then, like, after the riots, or, like, during the riots, I think, is when they realize what's happening because the right. riots end because Bashir comes out and says the man who's murdered was not Ibudan right. so that happens over the course of like Which is also maybe the, 20 minutes the best way to handle investigation is to run out in front of a mob and yell the evidence that you just discovered <laughs> yeah totally I hope nobody comes in here and destroys it <laughs> um yeah so that was only like twenty minutes, but when you so when you saw the prop of the of the clone, it was like a oh, giant yeah. mound of flesh. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah, shifter, 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 shifter. I know we have yeah. to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but then when they came back to it like twenty minutes later, it was man shaped, right. and um, it didn't make any sense. Okay, we okay, we have to catch up with Chad here. Yeah, uh, the premise is ridiculous, but the social issue undercurrent is effing fantastic. Uh, I do agree with that. Like, there is a lot of good stuff in this episode. Yeah. And I actually really... I'm making fun of it, but I really enjoyed this episode <laughs> yeah, me too. a lot. I watched it twice, and I, I enjoyed it more the second time. Uh, once I knew that it, how ridiculous it got by the end, right? I kind of enjoyed it more. Because it's like... I don't know. They're trying so hard to create this, like, film noir mystery right. thing. And they kind of do, Murder but, mystery. but it kind of doesn't, like, fit the, the tone of Star Trek. And yes. it's like a weird... It's a weird first stab at doing this because right. they do this a lot over the course <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, series. Yeah. But there's there's an episode that stands out to me about Odo's past that is like another murder mystery about <laughs> Odo that is maybe one of the best episodes of the show. So they get this right eventually. But this is kind of presenting this idea that Odo is kind of this... Uh, you know, this film noir character right. inside of sheriff. Star Trek. He's, He's the, the sheriff. sheriff. Yeah. Everything about his life is mystery and murder. Yeah. Femme fatales that want to kill him or fuck him. Yeah, and they call him Constable. Yeah, Constable. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot that I like about it. And yeah. the social issues are really interesting. Right, yeah, I, I, like him being an outsider and that the Bajorans just despising, or a lot of them despising, a lot of people despising shapeshifters for their very existence. Which is weird because it's basically he's the only one they know and they're like right away, hell no. Yeah, and it seems like the Bajorans are kind of hurt well obviously they're very hurt and like you know in pain from the Cardassian occupation right and part of their some of their way of dealing with it is to aggressively you know become xenophobic and to try to push away all other species and both of these episodes are about that I mean Tana Los in uh, in past prologue it, like the the terrorist character is trying to get rid of the Federation. Right. They're just trying to just be alone and just heal by themselves. While other you know people like Major Kira realize that that is just not what's best for Bajor because 
they just discovered this wormhole and right. you know they're opening up to the galaxy maybe there'll be a power in the galaxy and they can really stand on their own two feet for the first time right and you know being become a center for trade and tourism and, and whatever and I mean that might be what Bajor needs to heal to you know kickstart the economy or it, it makes a lot of sense maybe they need some alone time maybe they just need a quiet corner of the galaxy to think about what happened and yeah. not be bothered by a bunch of other people especially people that just subjugated them yeah and honestly that's also a really good argument and I was thinking about that it's a good argument watching these. but the show presents it with a flawed messenger because it kind of right. I mean Deep Space Nine does get a little bit more gray as time goes on but now they're still establishing I think a pretty clear I mean both right. antagonists are Bajoran but they're both shown to be like well you know they got really shitty attitudes when it comes to murdering your own clone or <laughs> thousands of your own people you know yeah. <laughs> they're super cash about that <laughs> So it's so you're you're okay rejecting them, but uh, I do feel like that the at least the um, Tanalos's whatever his his argument has legs, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, killing your own clone is ridiculous, <laughs> and his argument does not have That's legs because right, his yeah. argument is that Odo should die for yeah. sending me to jail. He's just a straight but, up black hat villain. You yeah, know? So, Ooh, he's even, yeah. even when when he's, he's a Scooby Doo villain. Yeah, yeah. His disguise was to be even more nefarious looking. Like, ha! I'm an old space wizard up to nothing. His disguise was to stand there and like mysteriously go like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then just stare, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are there 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 is an argument to be made that maybe it is right for Bajor to be alone right now, you know. But but that doesn't excuse, you know, like xenophobic behavior that borders on. I mean, it's I guess it's you could call it racism because they right. are different races. Right. So yeah, being racist against a shapeshifter is like. Being racist against any species just because of who they are born as is always wrong. Right. You know, that, that in my opinion, is always wrong. Like, yeah. prejudging a person based off of what they look like is always wrong. Right. So, of course, Star Trek doesn't, yeah. like, ooh, but maybe sometimes it is right? No. It's always no, a very yeah. clear thing. Yeah, and Star Trek is uh, very clear in this episode, you know. The, the people judging Odo because he's a shapeshifter are yeah. wrong. Yeah. We're but super I, happy today. <laughs> hey, man, we're talking about Deep Space Nine live on the internet. What? And someone had an edible. Yeah. <laughs> There's that also. Uh, but I also like what Amanda said. The beginning of Deep Space Nine had to focus on their uh, railing against the integration with other species or it wouldn't have made sense. And I think that yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, totally. And I, I really like that they did that. I really like that a lot because uh, <laughs> and because one of the more interesting things that Deep Space Nine does is exploring uh, Bajoran politics, religion, and culture in a way that usually is very one at most two dimensional. Like the Klingons, it's kind of like eh, it's honor and stuff, you know. Right. But this actually, they do a deep dive into it, which is of course just another way of exploring our own cultures. Yeah, totally. And I think that Kira is like a really good voice for like. Uh, an honorable, reasonable Bajoran who yeah. is also angry and hurt by right. the by the occupation. Like she really rides that line perfectly of, you know, like being a character who is carrying current trauma, right? But but being willing to listen to other people yeah. and you know take in other ideas and grow. And I, you know, looking at her arc over the course of the show, I I'm really liking her a lot more in the beginning. Yeah. I I never really liked her in the first couple seasons, but right. now I really do because I see like. What I see that the character that I love later is is there. It's just that she's like traumatized, right? And the way that that's portrayed, I think, is really effective. Where she's really standoffish, she's really pushing people away. She just like rails against Cisco all the time. Uh, but then, whenever he does the right thing, in her opinion, she realizes, oh, it might be okay to to trust this person. Yeah, and it's a slow journey towards 
towards trust and and being a bridge between uh, the Federation and Bajor. I mean, yeah. she really is that bridge because right. no one would listen to Cisco. The Bajorans would not listen to Cisco without that bridge being there. Yes, it's interesting because she uses that that I'm just the in between to sometimes justify herself when people question whether her she has loyalty to Bajor. You know, um, I think it's interesting. It's I, some I think it gets a little lazy with the writing for Kira, where you know, like this one, she can be. Uh, manipulated if they if the person just questions are you really really loyal to Bajor and uh, also <laughs> she always has the like you think he, uh, you've seen some shit I've seen some shit <laughs> yeah. that's like whenever she's interacting with somebody from the past yeah yeah they, there's so much like character history and depth before the show starts like a lot yeah. of that stuff was really well planned out but I in in both of these episodes I felt like they did not expand on the premise of the pilot in yes. either of them, which yeah. is a little frustrating. Right. There's to, no more. We don't get any more. Orb yeah, time. nor orb time. Ooh. Yeah, no prophets, no wormhole aliens. Yeah, barely any wormhole at all. Besides, Tanalo's trying to blow Maybe it up in the second it. episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for for me, I, I was a. I felt like these were both strange choices for episodes to follow the first episode, no matter which order you put them in. Sure, right. Uh, it yeah. doesn't matter. They're you know, they're it's 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 the it's the. <laughs> It's no better than it ought to be kind of episodic Star Trek, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay, but there's so much that happens in <laughs> A Man Alone, because there's like four plots of this episode. Yeah. Which is interesting. There's the whole subplot of Julian Bashir being super in love with Jadzia. Right. But that was this episode, right? Yeah, that's when she's doing her weird ball puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing her mind puzzle, and then Bashir <laughs> tries to do it, and he's just like this eager puppy, like, I don't know. That, that whole storyline is okay. a little strange. This is what I wrote down where I thought... A Man Alone makes sense as a second episode because right away they give you context for, not context, but like a summary of each of the characters. Jedzia is a nerd with daredevil powers where she can sense people coming in. Julian's a creep. <laughs> O'Brien is a liar. And Odo is like an angry virgin. You know? And right away those are, it's the, the first intro and then the first scene of Quarks. And you're like, oh, okay. Here's yeah. the characters, you know? That's a really good point. I... Those all of those character scenes were a little bit strange to me. Yeah, like getting to know. I feel like the the characters weren't quite nailed down yet, especially <laughs> Odo because yeah. Odo's discussion with Quark at the right. bar where he's like, "You want to compromise? You want to listen to blah blah blah? I want to listen to Klingon blah blah." Or one, no, she wanted Klingon Klingon opera, and he wanted I don't know what. Right. But then we compromise. We listen to Klingon opera. I wrote down Odo has some weirdly specific complaints about relationship yeah. and compromise. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like oh, Odo's definitely been married like nine times. Yeah. He and he admits to being a virgin in the same episode. Right. <laughs> Is that yeah. the one where he goes? Coupling. <laughs> yeah. I've never understood why solids like to couple. <laughs> like he's never he's never slept with anyone, he says. Like he's right. never had a relation an intimate relationship, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I mean that's how I take it. Well just he's never coupled before. He also says no weapons on the promenade, and I'm pretty sure that's not a hard and fast rule either. Yeah, that's something to pay attention to. He's very Batman about that. <laughs> Odo's a liar. This is what I'm understanding. <laughs> But yeah, his his complaining about relationships struck me as very strange. Yeah, Quark and Julian are both just like drooling super over Jadzia, and yeah. it's super creepy. It's like you think Julian, you're like, oh, he's a creep, and then they're like, no, Quark is the one who we think is the creep. We at this time as writers think Julian is just like awkward and charming. They're both yeah. creeps. Yeah, he it's they're both creeps. Yeah, 
Uh, but they ease off of uh, Julian later on, and then Quark, they just keep making him worse. Yeah, which is fine for his character. You know, like, they... He's a bad guy, so... Yeah, yeah, and they kind of address that through his relationship with Rom and his mom later right. on oh, in God. the show. <laughs> is it this one or the next one where it's Mr. Rom, and he is hoity and... <laughs> he, he's a totally different character. It's so funny. It's yeah. Like, I call it pre-head injury Rom. Because <laughs> something happens off camera where Rom takes a 180-degree turn. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it's like they... I, I don't know what happened. It's like they just went with a completely different character, but the same actor. It's bizarre. Uh, more um, Amanda. Amanda says, Odo has a lot of integrity. I think this episode showed and better set up for his discussion with Kira in the next episode about the, what the right thing to do is. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I love Odo's insistence that he his justice is the only correct justice. That, like, rules change. You know, he says that in A Man Alone, you know. Like, rules change, but uh, but justice is justice, or whatever it is that he says, about the change in regime that's happening around him, where he was, you know, Gold Ducat's security chief, and now right. he's Benjamin Sisko's security chief. Uh, he, it's, they're showing Odo has, like, his own set of laws, regardless of what other people around him say, which is good, but also you see some of the dark side of it, because he's always like, let's just lock people up! Yeah, that's his first that's response so always, and Cisco's like, we can't just lock right. people up Which without is very, doing something wrong. Very Western Sheriff, you know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. what's going on here? I don't know, let's lock him up and figure it out. Yeah, but is he, I mean, is he wrong about locking up Ibudan? Ibudan, like, let children die right. for not allowing them to have the medication they need at a price they could afford? I mean, he's a horrible person. Well, if he had locked Ibudan up, they would have at least saved the creation of one clone. And that would have been a much, a much more interesting episode because all of a sudden there's this other Ibudan walking around while there's an Ibudan in jail. What's going on now? Okay. It's much better. As Ibudan's lawyer, I would like to say that, <laughs> yes, I 100% acknowledge that my client Ibudan murdered his clone. However, through his actions, we also created an Ibudan clone who's still alive, so can we call it a wash? <laughs> yes, totally. It's like a... <laughs> can you be... Yeah, that is a really interesting thing. Like, if you create a science project that then becomes conscious and you kill it, <laughs> is that murder? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. And the show thinks That's so, the, obviously. Roses are red. Hans and Nerf herder. <laughs> Killing kill your, your own, own clone, clone is still, still murder. murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Um, this is a good question. Does Odo's simulated humanoid genitals work like real ones, though? Yes, up, in, up and including making someone pregnant. He, in theory, could uh, simulate a tiny little uh, sperm because it's a biological thing, and that's what he can do. That's like the ultimate level of shapeshifting. And then you can create a hybrid uh, uh, shapeshifter humanoid clone. I mean, a uh, child. I don't, I don't call my children clones. Why are you asking? I completely disagree. <laughs> you have a lot of bad opinions about Star Trek. I know. Uh, but if you also just make okay. straight up fucking thing, yeah. I think that I think that Odo would be capable of creating shape-shifted sperm that could theoretically travel. They say he has DNA in one of these episodes. But then so. you're just but then you have a piece of Odo inside of you and that's very romantic and maybe <laughs> that is just a thing that they do. Like, you know, Andy and I wear friendship bracelets. Maybe it's, it's like that. He's just walking around with a chunk of shapeshifter inside of you. Just, yeah, a little bit of, of shapeshifter that was uh, transferred during lovemaking. It's, it's really sweet, I think. It seems dangerous because the goo looks like it can move. Yeah. And, and, like, they can bring it towards them when it's separated. They haven't shown how far that works. Like, could he 
get the goo to go across the space station and crawl towards them, or is it just like yeah. Wi-Fi or Bluetooth? He's got like a 10, 15 foot radius. And then does he have to retract it into himself when he regenerates every 18 hours? <laughs> hey, Ghostwoo, thanks for saying hi, man. Hello! This, all, this episode also introduces the fact that Odo has to regenerate. Yes, which, and he lives in a bucket. He sleeps lives in, in a, bucket. a bucket. He lives in a pail in the back pail. of his office. God, he couldn't pick a worse pail. Yeah. I was in my pail. And I don't think he has quarters, right? We learn that later that he doesn't have he quarters at this point. He just has his office, yeah, which just seems shockingly easy to get into. Yeah, if you wanted to spray paint the walls. Also, someone mentioned before, shifter, shifter. shifter. Right. They, I feel like the show took a stab at, like, let's invent a new slur. And it's and so, it's so They wrong. never use it again. And uh, it's like calling a human being a being. <laughs> like calling a shapeshifter a shifter. shifter. It's like, it's just like yelling his species name at him. It makes no sense. But like, they're just yelling shift. It sounds like they're chanting for him, like in shifter, shifter, shifter. Like that's what it sounds like. It's like your buddy who's like really good at cars. You know, his hands are always greasy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, shifter's here. Yeah. Yeah. It. I. I don't know. I. I. I think it's still fine though. Like I like that they are attempting to make something. <laughs> <laughs> the Bajoran spray-painted shifter in English on the wall. It's You're very, so right. I mean, that's very kind of them, you know. Oh. During the occupation, they would spray-paint stuff in Cardassian. Does the universal translator affect <laughs> the written Visual word? <laughs> no, just they, you know, the writers are... It's lazy, you know. <laughs> hey, spare parts, what's up? Yeah, it's... Uh, it doesn't make sense, but that's okay. That's it, okay. It's Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's not supposed to make sense. Deep Space Nine doesn't need to make sense for me. Like Deep Space Nine tries harder, I think, than any Star Trek to make sense. Yes, and but they stretch credulity to beyond the breaking point yes. <laughs> with the amount of techno babble and weird. <laughs> Like, weird ways that they get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Doctor Who is just, like, space magic, and then they move right. on, and it's awesome. Right. But Star Trek is the always... The Network, it's t- space magic, so you yeah. on, it's awesome. Like, up until Deep Space Nine, I feel like Star Trek was at least trying to be scientific. Yes. And I think Deep Space Nine is trying to be scientific, yeah, it's but... Yeah, pseudo-scientific. Yeah, more... Science. Yeah, it's more pseudo-science. Like, they, they just kind of... Space s- They start saying, like, they start just saying, like, this is what I want to have happen, and these are the weird random words that get me from here to there. Right, and right, it, right. It gets it's a little out of hand, yeah. but I'm okay with that. I enjoy that. Like that's the it's type of TV that I like because I'm a nerd, you yeah. know. So I enjoy it. Um, yeah, Space Wizard did it, did it exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's a couple of plots in this. There's also the the plot of Benjamin Sisko and Jadzia kind of reconnecting their friendship. Yeah, which I mean, also it's... intersects with like Julian crushing on Jadzia. Yeah, to me that's that's more. It's just that's the drama stuff. That's the yeah. you know that's what in. Uh, that's the closest this uh, Deep Space Nine comes to being serialized in the sense that there is a lot more interpersonal drama right. that does continue from episode to episode. Yeah, that's true. I, I actually hadn't thought about it that way because I always think of the first season as not being serialized. But right. I, I kind of, I mean, the the space the characterizations is, are the, more so. Deep like Space Nine O Two One O. That part is, is definitely serialized. That is a that is a, uh, a another show that I'd rather see. Um, yeah, I guess they. I mean, that is the serialization of the next generation is character and the original series. But it's not that much. It's really yeah. you know it's far but and few between. It gets more so towards like the latter seasons, yeah. especially with like data. You know. Yeah, it's, it's it's as TV itself is evolving to this style of storytelling. Yeah, and I think that the emotional satisfaction of that was a big part of why I wanted to see more serialized TV mm-hmm. on at the time when Deep Space Nine came out. No, Babylon Five existed. And I. 
<laughs> yeah, I did not watch that until recently. I, it's hard to watch. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I wasn't because the character stuff in in this episode is a little funky to me. Like, it didn't quite occur to me that they were actually setting up character serialization. Right. Because it yeah. feels so like. Like why? Why is Odo complaining about relationships? And like why <laughs> is why is Julian person. just like so Jadzia horny in a way that's really really uncomfortable and kind of starting to he makes it okay for me like out. the 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 young uh, horn dogs in the audience to be okay with their feelings towards Jadzia. <laughs> yeah, I think that maybe it was the writer's feeling towards Jadzia because <laughs> well, it comes through in a couple of characters. I mean, they, they they retconned the trills just because Terry Farrell is super hot. Yeah. I mean, Terry Farrell is, is... I mean, Jadzia Dax is maybe the most crushable, like, like character in all of Star Trek. Unless like, you like Ezri. And, you know, some might, but for me, it's it's Jadzia. Uh, yeah, like, I, I always had a crush on De- Jadzia, but I feel like the way that the show treats her is a little unfair sometimes. Like, I don't know. When you have that many male characters just, like, going gaga over her, and, I don't know, it, it starts to feel a little creepy. Yeah. Is that just me? Uh, Deep Space Nine, I think, does makes the effort to have uh, more fleshed-out female characters, but there's a lot of times where they make just huge missteps or have blind spots, and it's I think it's the feeling of the there's no women in the room for writing, you know what I mean? Where there's yeah. not someone who's saying, like, eh, you know, maybe this experience to you looks this way. But to me, maybe this isn't, like, quirky charmingness. Yeah. But you know what I do appreciate? Is that they don't treat Kira that way. They really don't. I mean, Kira is a character she, in the fact that she is, like, a survivor and part of yeah, the resistance she and gets, is, she gets, you know, now transitioning. Spoiler alert, sappy Odo love stuff comes later. Sure. They they do, I mean, they treat her like that eventually, but when they present her... <laughs> they in the first like, sex. With what we've seen... <laughs> That's the um, answer to Amanda. That, that is the answer Shapeshifters have sex through mist clouds. It's very similar to the movie Cocoon. <laughs> uh, that sort of sci-fi sex, oh, you know. I like this point, too. They had to put some women in. That's how they uh, thought they draw in the women. So, like, yeah. uh, female viewers that would want something that has more of a story between the characters. Yeah, which is interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but I'd be curious to know if that was a conscious decision or if it how it worked. Yeah, I mean, I also feel like they need to put women in because it would be a horrible show with no women. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a Star Trek with no women? It would be <laughs> so frustrating. It's just like you're trying to be an inclusive show and there's no women? Like, what is this? You mean the original series? <laughs> I mean... <sighs> Yeomans. Yeah. Uh, let's not get it. That's that's a can of worms that we cannot dive into. Uh, um, that's our, that'll be our last one. We circle all the way around. Yeah. But I will say that there are always, always are more men than women in Star Trek casts, which yeah. is a little annoying. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean yes, it is. I'm, I'm shrug enough, like, who cares? I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, that's, that's the norm. Yeah. I don't know. I think Discovery is actually doing a little bit better with that. It yeah, is actually. Well, it is doing better. What with discover? That. Well, they've set up the potential for it. I, they they are to a limited degree, but again, it's the first thirteen episodes. I think they right. need to go more into the other bridge characters, uh, or otherwise, right. if they just kind of stick with the group they have, it won't be that bad. But they'll be missing a huge opportunity. All, all of my favorite characters died in season one, and there's like four characters, main characters left. So I am not in, really invested in any of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe Michael Burnham. 
Yeah, but, but you know, hey, this modern know. TV, baby, people die. <laughs> yeah, gotta... I mean, but that's fine. Like you, like characters can die in a show like this and not make it, and that's not a bad thing. Right. But it, it's when, it's when the characters that you've developed into something interesting die, mm-hmm. and the ones that are left that aren't developed into something interesting to me, that's when I kind of detach a little bit. Yeah, see, for me, I like all the characters, and I like that there's an emotional uh, investment that can be challenged, you know? The trouble, to me, with a lot of episodic Star Trek watching it now, is that there's no stakes to anything as a viewer. Right. You have to kind of suspend disbelief on the science babble. You also have to suspend disbelief, like, ooh, is Odo the murderer, you know? Are these are these people in danger? Because there there aren't consequences at this point in uh, TV shows. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And to me, like older Star Trek is more like a Frasier type experience, where it's like a warm blanket of a TV show. You gotcha, know, where you just yeah. like you put it on and it's comfortable, and you just can sit in it all day, and it just makes you happy. And yeah. you know, like that's something I really love about Star Trek. And I think a big part of that comes from the relationship of the characters to each other, mm-hmm. which you know all of the shows take time to develop and Deep Space Nine is taking some time to develop. Yeah. But once it gets there, it's just like hanging out with friends and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John says maybe season two will be better. I, I'm definitely going to give it a chance, season two of Discovery. Yeah, it's going to be better and season three is going to be better than that. I mean, that's the, the arc so. of Star Trek is that most people will say, eh, the first two seasons are a little rocky. That's And that's, that's 24, 48 episodes that people are like, eh, those are rough, and then the next, you know, three through six or seven are great. Yeah. And people are shitting all over Discovery after 13 episodes. It's half of one season. Compared yeah. to past Star Trek, so calm your pants down. Yeah. But, yeah, for me, the things that I didn't like about Discovery were like... <laughs> I like how we always talk about Discovery. I know. <laughs> were, were like things that just were marks of, like, bad writing to me. And, like, that kind of drove me a right. little crazy. Which is never happens in Star Trek. Right. And there, I mean, the, I guess, like, even with these episodes of Deep Space Nine, even though they're kind of mediocre episodes, um, they, they're, I don't think they're bad writing. You know, I just think that there's, like, silly moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. like, it, it, they're still trying to tell a story that is good for, for people to listen to. They're still trying to tell a story that has a point. Yes. Like, uh, you know being racist is bad <laughs> judging Odo because he's a shapeshifter is bad right. and you know mob mentality is bad and trying to attack <laughs> someone without knowing for sure if they've done something or not is bad because who knows maybe he didn't maybe maybe that person wasn't killed maybe it was their clone right, right. you know Don't, this should be an open question at any murder in the Star Trek <laughs> <Yeah>. world <laughs> was it his clone first question was it a clone from now on every murder that has to be on the table was was this his clone and also Quark uh, who's letting people run uh, massage holosuite programs with the safeties off what is, <laughs> why would you do that that's a, okay so it, the holodeck safeties are holosuite in this case mm-hmm. if you walk in with a knife can the holosuite say like Recognize that it's a knife, and and dematerialize it. Uh, in theory, but they, I don't think they ever show something like that. Maybe yeah, they show, I like, would say no because I think that it only knows what it has created. I think that if you walk in with a knife from off off the holodeck and it's like an actual knife, um, the hol- holodeck won't realize that. Yeah. So if you but if you stab a hologram, who it's not going to matter. I mean, we're, this is a, this is a, holotechnology is a whole other can of Star Trek. I worms. know that is such a can of worms. That's what's great about Voyager though cuz Voyager does like, you know, the, let's explore photonics. Yeah, I actually really liked that. And they like found that species of photonic mm-hmm. creatures. 
on that really interesting, completely silly episode <laughs> in black and white. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Klingons still look like orcs in Discovery. <laughs> yeah. But they're, I guess they're changing space in orcs. season two. They're space orcs. Because they no longer need to hide an actor behind Klingon makeup so they can like, get less makeup on them now, so they're going to change it. That's right. my theory. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, there, I think that there was a lot of value in in a man alone. I really do. Yeah. Well, um, it also shows that it, Odo is a man alone because he pushes people away. Totally. Multiple characters came up to him to offer him, and he's like, mm, no. Yeah, I yeah, I really like his relationship with Cisco in this episode. I really yeah. like seeing that Odo has a sense of justice that goes beyond the law, right? Uh, and that he doesn't necessarily respect. Starfleet law and Federation law right at this point but he is kind of an authoritarian prick himself so <laughs> totally so it's interesting like I, you know that Odo has memorized every Starfleet regulation yes. before the show even starts you know <laughs> he's just that type of dude so it's interesting that he still like brings up these options to to Cisco that are like outside of Federation regulation right. it also makes you wonder about like what he did under Gul Dukat you know what, what right. he did under the Cardassians right. I think that's a I mean, obviously, we get that story eventually. Them, yeah. yeah, but I think that that is like a really interesting thing that the the Cardassians were an authoritarian regime. Right. They were like like a Nazi regime. He probably corrected the other way. He's probably going to be right. someone who's going to be not oh, uh, enforcing all of their laws because he sees them as being repugnant. Right. He probably. I mean, Kira even says that he goes out of his way to show kindness towards the Bajorans. That's why he and Kira are close. That's right. why Kira trusts him is because she had experiences with him to know that he was protect- protecting Bajorans before this all started. Right. Uh, even under the occupation. And I think that's such an interesting character to have someone who can be um, a police officer under both of these different, right. you know, regimes. Like someone who can uphold the law under the Federation or the Cardassians. Right. That's really interesting. And I really like that they kind of show him at odds with Cisco a little bit to kind of bring up that fact that, you know, this is new to him, but he's been in charge here for a long time. But, like, Cisco's rules are new to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, James says, What Cisco did to bring the Cardassians into the Federation side of the war, good storyline for Cisco. Oh, yeah, I love that so much. I can't wait till we get there. That shit was amazing. Yeah, that's when... <laughs> you, that's a fake! The, the fir- it's the first two seasons. That oh, wait, wait, wait. That's the Star Trek. That's not the Cardassians, that's the Romulans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's part of it. Yeah, in. so good. I was looking to see what else I wrote down. Oh, that, that Bajorans apparently love to form a mob. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, like... <totally. laughs> Did you notice that Morn was in that mob? Yes. <laughs> Morn, is, Morn is just drunk. Like, right. Morn is drinking at Quark's, and then a mob gets up, and he's just like, I don't know what I'm doing or where right. I'm going. I wrote down, even Morn scorns Odo. <laughs> Uh, oh, the other subplot, Keiko is a teacher. Thank you, that's the fourth subplot. Yeah, Keiko is a teacher, which is interesting. So, the, yeah, that also, there's like a fifth subplot of, of Jake and Nog <laughs> becoming oh, God, friends. Right, right, right. Like, this is the planting of a seed that goes for the whole this show. Is, this is why this episode was had to be shown first, because it sh- crams all of this shit in. And it's interesting, because they decided to air this second. Like the, mm-hmm. or they they originally aired this after the other one. Right. I think this is better as, as yeah. right after the pilot. I agree with you for sure. Um, yeah, this was the production order, but anyway, yeah. So you get the you get the original meeting of Nog and Jake, mm-hmm. and you get to see them kind of get up to some mischief <laughs> to, to use to 
bugs that make people change color and yes. freak out and apparently get really embarrassed that they freaked out. It's really itchy and then really embarrassed. <laughs> but yeah, a disgrace to polite Bajoran society. It's a weird bug that that uses a Photoshop tint <laughs> to change their hue. <laughs> And then after that, oh, it's so weird. Totally dialogueless, just like, okay, you two, ham it up. Yeah, it's you're purple, you're yellow. Okay, you're freaking out, you're freaking out. Ooh, it's going away, you're calming down. Ooh, now you're worried, you're embarrassed. But this also leads to my favorite moment in the whole episode where Cisco is like, gonna reprimand Jake but Jake's like thought you didn't want to talk about it right now as he hops around the corner and it's just like this perfect little moment of yeah. perfect acting yeah, yeah 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 where Sirach Lofton like really seemed like his kid you yeah. know and really seemed to be real in that moment you don't often see that with kids yeah I've I've said it on the last one that the, the their portrayal as a father and son is one of the most real and honest portrayals of that kind of relationship that I've seen in science yeah. fiction or even other uh, you know genre fiction. Yeah, I agree, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the quality of both of the actors. Mm -hmm. It's I mean, especially for a child actor, he's really knocking it out of the park. Yeah, it's yeah. really impressive. Uh, Super Hamster says a teacher with no prior qualifications. Yeah, she went from being a botanist to being a teacher. Right. Um, but it's like they, they're basically saying she's not a good enough botanist to get on, you know, Star Trek missions, uh, but she's a good enough botanist to teach generic history. Yeah. Yeah, I I was honestly, like, I questioned that, but I was okay with it just because I have this weird right. feeling that in this, like, future society... Um, like, people are just educated well, and well, becoming an educator when you are well-educated is, is, you know, is an easier path to take than becoming an educator when you aren't well-educated. Right, right. Not to say that becoming an educator is an easy path, because I, you know, I, you know, my mom, my sister, teachers, and I know that there's, like, so much you have to know just to, like, control a classroom, and that that's a very difficult job, and I have so much respect for people who do it. Right. Uh, but I do, I do buy the fact that Keiko could slip into that role. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yes. Yeah. It's a strange, it's, a, I feel again, it's like shoehorning a character into a role to solve, like, two problems. Like, oh, right, we have a Brian here, but he's married and has a kid, and, well, what are we going to do with Keiko? Oh, well, our Western theme, we need to have a school marm with her, you know, yeah. school marm bell out there in her, her gingham dress. Yeah, and honestly, I think that that's a great solution to, of what do we do with Keiko? And then I think that, it's also an episode of Keiko saying, what do I do with myself? Right, right. Which kind of sets her up as a character in her own right. She's not just, you know, she's not just Miles' wife. She is right. a person, and she has needs of her own, and she needs to feel some sense of sense of fulfillment. And being a teacher is, like, what occurs to her as a thing to maybe do in this yeah. outlaw environment that she finds herself in where I, she doesn't even want to be there. I'd be happier with it if they did more with it later on, but we'll talk about those as yeah, we slowly watch sure. some of these storylines yeah. devolve into the toilet. Yeah, but taking this episode at face value, I think that that was really cool. And you get to meet Molly O'Brien. Um, I interviewed the actress oh, who played yeah. her for my podcast, which is my awesome. my one Star Trek... No, I actually interviewed the guy who played Icheb on uh, right. Voyager also. <laughs> my only... my only. No, I interviewed the guy who played... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> young Spock in Star Trek The Search for Spock. Those are my only three. And that's all I need. Like Star Trek actor interviews that I did <laughs> on that podcast. But it was it was very cool. The Amanda brings up the homeschooling that it's uh, probably easy to do in the Star Trek universe. Which I think you're saying as far as like being a teacher, there's enough other things there 
somebody who is a well-educated person who cares about the education of kids can do a good job of, right. you know... And maybe, like, with a couple years under her belt, she could become a good teacher. Right, but, right. And but she's just to, teaching young kids Bajoran stuff, too, so... Yeah, and I, I think that her point of just having a place for kids to go and having a community of children, like, some place for her child to grow up in, I think right. all of that is so cool for her to think about and then say, I'm just going to make this happen. Right. And then she does it. I And I think it's great. I really, I really like that plot. I mean, there's some... I don't know. I mean... There's something like heartwarming about that that I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, fair, fair, fair. James says, I like the way Odo helps heal his people. And also says, um, Oh, where Keiko was a kid again on TNG. I love that episode. It's called <laughs> Rascals. That's season seven? Yeah, I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched TNG. I feel like it's season seven. But then later on, we get Maybe Molly as six. an adult. So Keiko and Molly oh, yeah. can have weird conversations. Post apocalyptic about- Molly. <laughs> remember? Remember when I became an adult? Wasn't that weird? I once became a kid. Yeah. And that's not the weirdest thing that happened to me. I got possessed by an evil space devil. And they, and they just never talk about these things. Shitty to dinner. your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I dad. was a power <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really like the relationship between Nog and Jake. And I actually... Oh. You know what I love is the... They plant this for the first time also that... Um, Jake does not approve, or sorry, uh, Ben does not approve of Jake's friendship with Nog. Right, yeah. Which this is really episode sets up, I just realized, Garrick and Julian. That's Isn't that the, is that this one? That's this one, yeah. No, that's the Tanalos episode, isn't it? Mm-mm, that's this that's, one. Because Ta- Tanalos is when he's already, has established that Garrick is basically a spy. Because then Garrick. I swear Garrick's not well, in this episode at he all. He is, they're both in this one. In the I first think one. that's past prologue mm, because be because the wrong. the Klingon women are there to talk to right. Garrick about the about Tana Los. Right, Garrick's definitely in that episode, but he's not in both. He's only in one of them. No, he's in both of them. Yeah. Should we look it up? You bet some latinum on this. I one? would bet some latinum on this. Mm. I I would bet you ten bars, five slips. Ten bars, five slips. <laughs> gold press latinum. <laughs> that there is no Garrick in a man alone. Okay. Does anyone else want to bet on this? Oh, yeah, James, that's another of my absolute favorites. What is that called? Uh, Far Beyond the Stars? Is that Far Beyond the Stars? Oh, I have an idea. Can we pause, and then we'll look this up, and we'll come back with the answer after the break. Well, we're going to take a quick break while we look up this answer. Also, I'm going to go smoke. (laughs) All right, I'm going to leave you with Cowboy Data. There he is. <laughs> All right, then I'm going to turn off our faces. Okay. Wait, how do I do that? <laughs> Where is it? This one. Okay. Faces are gone. And now I'm going to turn off the sound, and we'll be right back. I was wrong. Garrick's in the second episode. Yeah. Fine, let's move on. <laughs> Doug has already paid me ten bars, five strips of imaginary <laughs> latinum, so... Once we okay. have money, we'll have, like, a... Show up on the screen, and then, like, a <laughs> tally at the bottom. Um... Yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> no, I don't know, but let's talk about the second episode. Okay. I well, ha- wait, before we do, we have to rate this one first. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so yeah, let's wrap up with A Man Alone. I think we've talked about everything in A Man Alone. Yeah, we'll bounce back to it while we talk about I'm the next I'm sure one. we will. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing, we have to give it a rating. Yep. How many How many bars of gold-pressed latinum I'm out gonna, of ten? I'm going to give it seven bars wow. and two slips of gold-pressed latinum. Wait, hold on. I'm going to write this down as we do it. <laughs> otherwise, I have to do work later, and that's not fun. I'll make it real bad for you. I'll give it seven bars, one strip, and three slips. So that's like seven point, point, point one. Point three. 
7.103? No, just point three. Seven point one point three. Yeah, that's not a real number. I know it starts. Well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm giving you seven point one zero eight. How's that? Does that work for you? Change my vote. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're trying to convert it to a decimal, though. I that's just I have to type something that's a number in this box. <laughs> I'm a spoiler. Hold on, let's let's see what chat thinks. Also, sure. um, I don't. I'll just put in ten, putting in ten options is annoying. Oh boy, yeah. I guess it's not that bad. Nine and zero. Ten. There we go. Yay! Okay. If you all want to vote on what rating you give this, there is your link. Okay, so you gave it a 7.10 something. <laughs> I was just Wait, why, why is seven? Seven, because this is, this is like solid 90s Star Trek. You know, it gets the job done. It does what it needs to do. Yeah. Uh, I also give it five mushrooms because <laughs> it is it is also solidly at the medium of Star Trek weirdness. You know what I mean? Out of five? Out of ten. Out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Like the mycelial okay, mycel network is... I want to start rating mushroom, magic <laughs> space mushrooms because I really like that. The mycelial network is seven... Uh, the wormhole aliens. I think I gave that an eight as far as space magic weirdness yeah. mushroom nonsense. So yeah, the whole clone thing. That's a five. That's just weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's not magicy, but it is just. Well, the, the mask is magicy. <laughs> the the mask is is worse than the mycelial network. Well, the mask. What's the up, Mike? Welcome. The mask is almost like negative mushrooms because it's like I said, it's it's um. Uh, Mission Impossible technology. It's it's 400 years old human technology that the Bajorans are using for disguises. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so okay, seven, seven and a fraction for this one. Yeah, I'm gonna. So for me, like the the silliness of the clone plot really pulls this episode down. Like right. you can't really take this episode seriously. Right. This is not an episode that I'd show someone and say, "Watch <laughs> Deep Space 9. Check this out. You'll love it." This would be like, "Well, maybe skip this." You know, I the the only thing that I think is really worth watching as far as character development for the rest of the show in this episode is the stuff with Keiko, Nog, and Jake. Right, like those right. are the things that I really like. <laughs> Now you want shrimp. <laughs> That's dangerous with a name like that. James Shrimp, shrimp Fajitas. Doug's <laughs> wrong. Um, yeah, I think that really brings this episode down. I really like the stuff with Keiko. I think that... I really like the stuff with Nog and Jake. But, yeah, but the, the, building. the character interactions with the rest of the characters are all a little clunky and weird. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and and don't really represent where the show's going or what it's like trying to do. But I really enjoy it because it's dumb. Like the the whole Odo storyline becomes so silly by the end right. with the the whole Scooby Doo ending. I really enjoy that, but I don't think it's good. You know, I don't think that it's like worth a high rating. So I'm gonna give this like a solid five. All right, that's fair. I think that this is a five. Yeah. Okay. What else do we? Okay, we have to vote. Oh, favorite character. Oh, and let's see what chat says. Oh yeah. All right. What did chat rate this? Oh no, it's tied between six it's and eight. eight. It gets a seven! It gets a seven. I was right. Whoa! Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, Doug was right. <laughs> Doug was right. Okay, so now we gotta vote on favorite character. Making these polls every time is, is annoying. It does seem annoying. But it's too much fun to not do. There might be an easier way. I don't know. Mm, we'll look into it. So, favorite character. Who do we wanna nominate? If you wanna nominate someone in chat, you have to nominate for favorite character. 
Who do you got? Um, boy, for this first episode, it's I, a little tricky. I want to say Garrick. <laughs> You can't nominate someone who's not in it. Or can I? Uh, I mean, no, you can't. Uh, okay. My favorite character is the um, Ibudan clones. Because <laughs> I will never Old man Ibudan stop awake. thinking about I Oh, the, the, the clone that, that we never saw awake? I don't know, man. I Can I just nominate the Ibudan and then that includes all three of his... <laughs> Instances. Can I? I'm just gonna put Ibu Don's clone because it makes me happy to write it. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Ibu Don's clone is a really good choice for favorite character. Because I won't stop thinking about him. Yeah, Ibu Don's clone is the most compelling character in this episode, and he was never seen awake. One like of the, the second one. Characters you know? in all of Star Trek. Totally. That is such a good point. <laughs> Because, okay, for favorite character, that's, like, the character you want to know more about. Like, the thing you're most interested... The person you're most interested in, in the story. I mean, I was throwing it out there as a joke, as a sarcasm, but, yeah. I think you're right, though. I think you're right. (laughs) I was more right than I realized. (laughs) I was going to say Keiko. I might still say Keiko, because... Yeah. Because Keiko's doing something, like... Keiko's seeing a problem in her own life and fixing it in a positive way that's yeah. good for her community. And it's just like a really... I don't know. I'm going Keiko. Yeah. I think it's a really cool choice. Okay, so now chat gets to vote. Vote between those two. <laughs> Ibudan's clone or Keiko. And then is anyone else nominated for favorite character? Odo is nominated. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> He got yeah, he got harassed by an angry mob. Poor guy. Okay, Odo. I think Odo is a very solid option. So sure. that that is going to be our vote. We got three options here. I'm, I don't know why I'm yelling. <laughs> three options for sale. Three options. I'm using. But a, you let them down now. <laughs> I'm using a different mic this time. I hope it sounds good. Uh, those are your options, you guys. Click that straw poll to vote. Yeah, um, Amanda. Amanda's always making the points I agree with. Amanda, he could have really tried to cover lady. it up. Odo could have covered up the crime, but he took it with grace. And oh, that's such a when good he point. had to not be involved in the investigation. Oh, we didn't even he talk knew about when that. He to recuse yeah. himself. Well, he had to be kind of pushed out, but he did. He did a relatively good job of dealing with it. Well, yeah, because it's ultimately Odo respects authority above him, even if he, you know, when he's given that direct order. Yeah. He'll follow it. He'll follow it. Yeah. Yeah. Or he'll try to sneak around it. And this time, that's, like, too far for him. That's, like... That would be fundamentally disrespecting the structure of, of law. Oh, shit. Odo Odo wins for chat's favorite yeah. character. I really thought it was going to be Ibudan's clone. <laughs> they didn't like the... I'm going to start a band called Ibudan's clone. <laughs> I love saying Ibudan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then finally we have to vote on best performance for this episode. Uh, so let me make a poll for this, too. Yeah. Best performance... This is just on the actor. Yeah, see, I'm always... Uh, well, once again, I'm going to go with Avery... Avery Brooks. Brooks? Yeah. Even though he had less time, and then Rene Aubergeon had more time. But she, uh, he's still... I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to put character names here. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I appreciate uh, his acting, but it's still... I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, good for Star Trek. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put... Uh, Jake Sisko, Sirik Lofton. Oh, yeah, sure. Just for that one moment where he has this, like, perfect delivery of yeah. being such a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyone else nominated for best performance? Oh, the kids. They both killed it. Okay. Uh, let's let's put in Nog also. Nog is great. In the, Nog's portrayal, Aaron Eisenberg's portrayal of Nog, is perfect from day one. Yeah. And, you know, like, Rom... 
has no idea who his character is in this episode, but yeah. Nog is exactly who he is. Yeah. Uh, and just grows from there. And to me, that's a writer's choice, you know, because Nog, I, I believe, no, sorry, uh, Rom, whoever the actor is there, his name, yeah. I never remember anyone's names, uh, he's doing what he was told to do, which is to play. <laughs> yeah. There's the poll for. Uh, I am not going to let the Federation teach my children. <laughs> There's a poll for best performance. Oh, that reminds me. You know who else was good in this? Was uh, Von Armstrong, who played Dinar. Oh, yeah. Cardassian. Von Armstrong has played 12 different characters in Star Trek history. <laughs> An unparalleled amount of characters by one man. Wow. And he, he's great in this episode. He's really good. Okay, the poll is running. And then I'm going to write down our... Perf- oh, so best performance, you said Avery Brooks. Yep. I said... Sirach Lofton. And then... And then chat says... Oh, we're tied between Odo and Jake. We need a tiebreaker. We need one more person to vote on this one. Even more than Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, he does have more than Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, because Jeffrey Combs tend to play recurring characters. And yeah. this guy, it seems like he's just playing one-offs. one-offs. Except the admiral he plays in Enterprise is there for oh, several years. Right, right, right. Admiral Forrest. Yeah. <laughs> Great character. The quit fucking around in space, Archer. Yeah. Oh, no. Now we have a three-way ah, tie. Yes. <laughs> Between Jake, Sisko, and Odo. Can, oh. When this happens, we're just going to write... Uh, we have to make up a name. Undecided. We have to make up a name that's a combination of all three. <laughs> Je- well, Benjamin well, Jodo. Benjamin <laughs> Jodo. <laughs> I actually uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board I'm pretty happy with Benjamin Benjamin Jodo <laughs> if, all right if chat can't decide this is what chat gets Benjamin Jodo <laughs> uh, that makes me real good. happy you like my spreadsheet that's pretty good yeah I like it uh, the spreadsheet's shared on my discord if anyone wants to check it out where's the color for the background fill color just to make it like easier to see. Yeah, alternating colors, nice. Yeah, and then I'll do. Oops. Ooh. Nope. I <laughs> fucked it up. Nope. This is spreadsheet making with Jesse and Doug. I'm gonna put you open the doors. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, what's up? Austin calls me Stoner Jeff Goldblum, and I'm <laughs> I'm very proud of That's that. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, well, let's move on. Oh, wait, how many magic space mushrooms? I don't want to keep track of that, but I'm going to... Because you don't need to keep track of that. You don't need to keep track of that. Exactly. But I think that this one gets a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Just for the the fucking face thing. Uh, I like how we have different scales for these, but it's fun. Yeah, it's good. I'm so glad that we disagree on everything. Because it makes it so much more interesting to talk about. Until you come around and realize that Discovery squarely fits in with all of these other things (laughs) that we're seeing in Star Trek. Until you realize that Garrick is not in A Man Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's fair. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, let's talk about past prologue. past prologue. He is in past prologue. <laughs> the first appearance of of one of my absolute favorite characters mm-hmm. from all of Star Trek. Uh, Garrick. Right? Yeah, Garrick. Garrick. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what's his name? One of my favorite people ever, whose name I think I remember. Um, so yeah, the premise of this episode is that... Uh, there's this terrorist named Tanalos, who is a Bajoran terrorist who's 
trying to escape the Cardassians at the beginning of the episode uh, that wants political asylum on Deep Space Nine. We don't know whether or not to trust him or not. He may or may not be a member of the Kon Ma, which is a terrorist organization. It's like the Al-Qaeda of Bajorans. Uh, and... And, you know, Kira's on his side, and Cisco's not on his side, and, it, you know, it's all very confusing, but it turns out that he is actually still a Cone Mom member trying to blow up the wormhole because he wants to keep the Federation and the rest of the galaxy away from Bajor. Right. And then we kind of realize at the end that he's willing to go to great lengths to do that, and ki- including killing Bajorans, mm-hmm. which is where the firm line in the sand is drawn between him and, and Kira. Right. Because uh, that was the other thing, is that he had been, in the Cone Ma at least, had been part of killing Bajorans in the past, but uh, I think it was maybe Cisco asked it like, "What about after the occupation ended?" Right. Where they're willing to be like, "Okay, whatever you did during the occupation, occupation gets a free pass for the most part." Yeah. But if it's anything that you did after that, that's where, and that's where, uh, like you said, Kira draws the line. Kira's, I think, ultimately fine with him killing Bajorans during the occupation for his end goals, or at least she'll still work with them. But him wanting to do it now is a hard no for her. Well, yeah, I mean... Because she's knows It seems like they're path. all, like, iffy on killing... Like, it seems like killing Cardassians is not even a uh, crime. Fine. <laughs> That's but, like, the killing of, of Bajorans is where right. Kira's like, fuck you. Yeah. Do you think that there would have been situations where they'd had to kill Bajor- kill their own people? Well, I think they said that explicitly with the Kon Ma, is that including people that they thought were collaborators or okay. whatever else. You're right, you're right, you're right. Totally. Because that was that's one of the things where they're establishing... I think for us, the viewing audience, is to be like, oh, you should be suspicious of this organization itself that he is working for. Right. Like, he can be a reformed member of this. They have to do a real quick info dump on you of, like, these are what these guys are like. Yeah. And that's why I really think that the very explicit was it after the occupation question is to draw that line for the audience. Yeah. Yeah, Austin, that's what we're here for, man. <laughs> to be your friends, to talk about nerdy shit. Yeah. Ex- exquisite detail. Deep dive in <laughs> yeah. deep space um, Yeah, I thought that uh, Tanalos was a really interesting character on paper. I think that, like, the script is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I struggled a little with this actor's portrayal because he was so, <laughs> like, yeah. he, he was just a troublemaker from the beginning. Yeah. You can just tell. He's just like, <laughs> well, yeah, he's, like, snotty about... He's, like, a, he's like a, a vegan, you know? He's, like... <laughs> He's like he's like one of those vegans who's like you shouldn't you should never eat meat because meat's bad for you and if you're, one, you're one of those you meat eaters now you know yeah totally but he was just like that with uh, you know being a terrorist or not which does not work for me as a character right uh, it just didn't really make sense that he was mocking Kira for not being you know willing to kill anymore it just didn't it just didn't <laughs> right. like apparently you don't love no. <laughs> Bajoran Freed as much as I do. Yeah, he was a little too snotty and arrogant for me, yeah. the portrayal. But I could have seen a different actor with those same words having this make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Because I felt like if you're just reading body language, then the story doesn't work as well if you're just than if you're just reading. I actually, like, I watched the ep- I watched both of these episodes like two weeks ago, and I almost forgot what happened. So last night <laughs> I read the descriptions, and I actually watched them again this morning. Nice. Uh, just like on my phone while I was getting ready for everything. Um... But I, reading the descriptions, I was like, that's a really interesting story. I don't remember this episode being that interesting. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I had to, I watched them both yesterday. Yeah. And then this morning, this afternoon on my way over here, I was thinking, oh, wait, how does the second one that we're watching, how does that end? How does past prologue end? Yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, this is, again, this is the episodic 
issue with Star Trek is like all this stuff is building up and then zoom let's slam out a solution in the last five minutes it also doesn't even have an ending like they they stop Ibudan they get back to the space station they the space station and it's and Kira and Cisco look at each other kind of angrily and don't say anything and then walk away and it's over and right. there's like no resolution right the whole thing with the Klingon the, ladies are just gone the Klingon ladies the, yeah Lursa the Bator, and bride takers are just gone the Dura sisters were in this episode for no goddamn reason and then they were just like barely in it it's just to drag over the TNG it's totally watchers. it's totally just to have Look, a commercial it's, it's where Lursa and Bator are right. in it I, I love Lurs and Bator. Like, give me more Lurs and Bator. Give me a, a whole show about Lurs and Bator. I Is want your all dick these still other hard shows. for TNG. Well, we've got <laughs> Bursa and Latour yeah. coming up on Deep Space Nine. And UPN. boobs. <laughs> well, uh, their, their outfits are ridiculous. Ridiculous. There's so They've much been ridiculous. It's like. What what is it's not side boob because it's like it's like a it's like a crescent moon of boob it's like <laughs> right. so it's like a moon boob what's it up is, Patrick what it is this? side boob but it's not the side you're used to seeing it's the inside boob <laughs> uh, mid boob yeah it's very weird it is not a logical outfit all- for warrior women to wear <laughs> front boob all the way although maybe there's okay. like a in-universe explanation of like they're using it to distract men so they can uh. win fights but even if they do that it's gonna annoy <laughs> me <laughs> yeah there's no good explanation for it yeah it makes no sense but it's so iconic right. it's like so iconic the look of the the Dura sisters and i i uh, I, oh my god, I remember Barbara Walsh is one of their names. And Gwyneth. Oh my god, I have these names. Whoa. Gwyneth. Deep pole. Damn it, I'm not quite there. I got three quarters of the names <laughs> of these two women. Uh, Barbara Walsh and Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I really like the Duras sisters. I love that they show up on Deep Space Nine. But, I, I, but the way that they're used is so lame. Yeah. It's just like... They're just a nonsense way to move a plot along. Right. Because Garrick convinces them to tell her... No, convinces them to tell him that they have a (laughs) belitrium device, right? (laughs) Uh, And... Like he's like, you got to tell me your your plan, or you got to tell me what you're getting from him, and they tell him, and it doesn't make sense. Like, why would they tell him? There's no reason. Tell me your plan. We're not going to tell you your plan. Yeah, but they, uh, yeah. but maybe you should. All right, fuck it. We'll tell you our plan. Yeah, exactly. And that's how the episode ends too. Is like they're on the shuttlecraft and uh, Tanalos is ready to kill Kira, and uh, Cisco's like, well, you can. You know, you can surrender to me, or you can surrender to the Klingon warship that's right behind me. Okay. And he's like, "Okay, I'll surrender to you." It's literally that easy. I mean, this this guy, this terrorist who has been <laughs> such a hard line the whole episode, just gives up at the end, and then it, it's over. What I made me wonder is when him and Kira were in their uh, showdown, and he's like, "Hey, you know, if you don't set the controls to the wormhole, I'll blow up this planet and all these people." Right. And she's like, "Would you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I totally would." And she, I feel like yeah. she'd have gone like, "No, you fucking won't." Right. And he would have gone, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. I won't." Totally. Because <laughs> that's how it ends. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that you're right. I think that he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that, his characterization. Is is a weak point in this episode? Yeah, and, yeah. And I think that unfortunately <laughs> yeah. the episode is all about him, so it kind of right. It kind of muddies the water of what they're talking about. Yes, this is Doug. This is Doug. Hello. Hence Doug Space Nine. It's a very creative name. Bum, 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 Doug Space Nine. Bum, 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 Doug Space Nine. <laughs> I still can't. I don't know the theme song. But you know, what you're doing is working for me, though. <laughs> for sure. Um, 
But I think the interesting stuff in this episode is all coming from Kira. And yes. Her relationship to the Kone Ma. It's the Bajoran and to the Bajorans. I mean, that's, yeah. this starts that template as as, and they go back to this well many a time. Yeah. And it's I I find it's one of the more interesting parts of the show. It's again, it's the deeper exploration of a culture um, in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I you know, e- even all of that stuff that I liked. It, it still wasn't quite enough for me in this episode. I, right. This episode felt pretty weak to me. It, it's not, like, bad. It's just kind of thin. There's yeah. just not that much to sink your teeth into. Like, A Man Alone at least had, you know, a Scooby-Doo ending to entertain <laughs> you with and had, like, a clone growing and a, to, to think about a man the killing the his clone with the name Ibu Don and, like, so much stuff and he sleeps in a pail. And, yeah. I, and this one is just kind of like uh, a terrorist who's unwilling to let go of war. Right. And there's a story there that I think is really important and good to tell but but it's tricky because you know we our country has such a different relationship with terrorism than we did when this show was created right and i think that it becomes like later on they just constantly refer to kira as a terrorist right they throw the word terrorist around a lot without really seeming to understand what it means well no i mean they are right though i mean that's that's the thing yeah. it, you wouldn't use those words today for this show especially hero characters but it's appropriate because it it does qualify, you know. I think that's that's an interesting accident of history for this show. Yeah, is that what's what's changed is Americans' perception of terrorism, you know, and what it means. Yeah, and I I like the we talked about this last time, but I like the idea that one army's terrorist is another army's freedom fighter, mm-hmm. and. But but this goes a step further to say like the Kone Ma is a terrorist organization. You know, yeah. the Kone Ma is not even at odds with their own government. They could have made it like the Maquis. You know, that's that's yeah. effectively they're in the same ballpark. Yeah, totally. So there's this this it's a splinter group basically outside of you know this is Saw Gerrera's rebels. These guys are willing to go to lengths that <laughs> the mainstream fight is not willing to go. So you need me on that wormhole wall. Yeah, but then his characterization is just this like snotty, yeah. like entitled. <laughs> Brat, yeah, and it makes it that, that does not make sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you had a characterization of someone like Saw Gerrera, actually, I think that was a really great yeah. characterization of a, of like a uh, of a terrorist. You know, if you want to consider him that, who is maybe a little bit unhinged and like can't let go of this fight that he's a part of, and it's kind of broken him. And he, like letting go of this fight would mean losing the last bit of himself that is left. And right, really interesting character. Even though he's barely on screen, like all of that comes through in that performance. I, mean, that, I love that character so much. Also, did you ever notice that his suit looks a lot like Darth Vader's suit, and he breathes oh, into it? Yeah, with, absolutely. It actually plays the Darth Vader noise. Yep. For me, they're trying to say like this is the opposite side of this fight. This right. is the Darth Vader of the Republic. Um, well, not the Republic, the Resistance. Right. No. The Rebel Alliance, I guess. At that point, there's no Republic yet. The old Republic is dead. There's no new Republic, but it is the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> and he's a splinter group, group of the... Re- Fuck. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Amanda says, can we take a minute to talk about how dumb Bashir is? We can definitely oh, devote yes, at least please. like 10 to 15 minutes to how dumb Bashir is. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe this two what, what I wrote down, for genetically engineered genius, Julian is dense. <laughs> he has... What would I need with a new suit? No. Yeah. Come to my shop at five minutes to ten right before something important is going to happen. Uh, but I don't think I need a new suit. It's not about the suit! <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Doug, do you have your own channel? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, but I don't tell anyone what it is. Oh. 
I'll eventually make one for Douglas W. Fail, but that's not there now. Cool. But you know what Doug did make? His memes for oh, Deep yeah. Space Nine episodes that we've been talking about? Doug is actually like a well-circulated meme producer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't even know. Doug makes a lot of memes. Doug makes a lot of memes. And they're very good. I look and like the kind of guy that makes a lot of memes. He made memes for the episodes we talked about, and they're so great that we actually decided to make an Instagram for Doug Space Nine to, like, track these memes. And maybe I'll throw up some, like, screenshots of the episodes and stuff, too. Yeah. I'm going to uh, try and do one for each episode. Yeah. But well, let's just look at them now, because <laughs> because we, we have the ones that Doug made for every episode we've talked about so far. Yep. So this is the, this is the pilot. <laughs> Your ships are damaging. I, why would why am I going to read my own memes? I'm going to read it. <laughs> Your ships are damaging to our non-corporeal forms. Whoa, cool space mall. Y'all come through in evs for real. Like what is time, you know? You ever think about that? <laughs> that's like it's like stoner stoner wormhole. Stoner aliens. wormhole. Aliens. That's I, exactly right. I love it cuz they cuz they of course they're stoners. <laughs> uh Okay. <laughs> this one makes no I sense. I am Ciroc. Oh yeah, that's Kirk. Yeah. I am happy. That's like the worst moment of the original series. I did not put that, that is, together. It, well, it I just loved it because it was funny. Many worst moments of the original series. <laughs> Nowhere near the worst. That gets but my, it's real bad. That gets my vote for worst moment. Okay. Well, I can't um, wait till we go through this one. Yeah, we got to put the rest of these up on Instagram. Yeah, I was gonna do it after the episode. Awesome. Them. People that are in the chat now, you get a little early preview. Nice. <laughs> when you say you're on board with Discovery, but now, but when you say you're on board with Discovery, but now only because you saw a Klingot got hair. <laughs> when you say you're on board with Disco now, but only because you saw a Klingot got hair. <laughs> I accept your apology, <laughs> but not your explanation. That was my best Von Armstrong. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I love this one. Thank you. And then this is, I think this was my favorite. I also like saying Klingot from uh, Enterprise. I thought it was a typo, but I no, really like it. No, that's in the first, in the Enter Enterprise pilot, I think they refer to them as like, uh, these, these dang Klingots. Oh, really? The humans, just because that's their first. That is awesome. Remember the Klingon running through the field and they get yeah, shot? Yeah, 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 totally. In like Bozeman, Montana? Yeah. I love that episode. Roses are red, Han's a nerf herder. Killing your own clone is still murder. <laughs> that is solid gold. Thank you. That's I was very favorite. proud of that one. I love that. Okay, so that's going to be on the Deep Space Nine Instagram. And uh, there's a link in the description. We just started it today. So you can be like the first follower. What's up, Corey Fisher? <laughs> Amanda says, put that on your resume. <laughs> hey, you should follow these guys. That's right. Us. <laughs> <laughs> um... Amanda's my favorite. Amanda's the best. She's awesome. Jen, oh, Doug, you should join just our... Just because she agrees with me. That's <laughs> Doug, if anyone you, wants to curry my favor. Doug, you should join our Discord. There's a sci-fi channel. Okay. Where you can... I'll, I mean, I'll post these memes in there, too. Sure. Send me links. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else happens in... in uh, oh, wait. We didn't talk about how dumb Bashir is. <laughs> He's just... Enough. <laughs> yeah, he like... Belt. First of all, He's, if a spy tells you to cold. come to a tailor shop at a certain time, uh, don't be two minutes late. Yeah. Like... <laughs> And then also when he tells you to try on a suit, don't don't try on the suit. Like he, he looks in the mirror and he's about to try on the suit. 
That's not why you're there. You don't need to try on the suit. He also has to go ask Daddy what this means. Yeah, he has to burst in while Dad's working. Hey, I got a question, you guys. Yeah. Ops <laughs> must be fucking sick guidance. of Julian. Like, can we not get a lock on this door? Yeah, Julian's characterization is so opposite of what he becomes later. Yes. Like, is I mean, we've spoiled this already, but he but as soon as they reveal his genetic engineering background, oh, yeah. he just acts completely different. It's like I actually they try to retcon this and say that this is an act, you know? Amanda just said that Discovery is a trash fire. Ah, oh, high five, Amanda. Mm, Boom. Right. She agrees with both of us mm, on okay, some fair. things and not other things. Like human beings do. It's okay to have wrong opinions about Star Trek. I can accept that. Yeah, that's good because you have many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people um, are gambling. Nice. Yeah, so nice. I, I guess that the I guess the retconning is that is that he's pretending to be dumb because he's super smart, but no. it, it doesn't it doesn't track. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. track at all. No, 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 not at all. It doesn't seem. Because I think he could be book smart, but still sure. just like socially inept. And right. The weird part about this one is that he later on is shown to have a love of spy stories. So you'd think he'd at least understand the basics of yeah. the genre. I do like that he's nerding out about being in a spy story, though. Yes. Like, he's totally <laughs> having a nerdgasm. The moment that, that Garrick walks over to him, he's like, I'm in a spy novel. You know, well, he's so excited. The Garrick-Julian relationship is fascinating it's to me. It's so good. Because I think it is fraught with sexual tension that is not a Addressed in the text of the show, yeah. but I feel like it. The whoever the actor is that plays Garrick, yeah. that is informing a good part of the way he's portraying Garrick. Every word that comes out of Andrew Robinson's mouth has subtext. It's all quadruple entendres, yeah, and totally. Faints and dodges. It's, yeah. it's it's beautiful. But there's also like a, a kindness that emanates from him. <laughs> that's so cool. I I love Garrick. I think I think his portrayal is like kind of a a magic trick. It's something that seems like it's hammy and over the top, but it is not. It's actually, it makes perfect, perfect sense. Perfect sense, yeah. If you were a member of the Obsidian Order and had been trained as, like, a super secret spy, your public persona would be very calculated. Yeah. And and he's just so calculated. Everything he says is calculated. It's interesting. He's the only person, I think, that has an ongoing performance that is of the same sort of, like, Almost ethereal weirdness as Avery Brooks, totally. as far as a character goes. Absolutely, they're they're like similar. There's similar styles of like stage acting. Yeah, I think. And most of the Cardassians, that's kind of the advantage is that, Card especially the male Cardassians, it's always just an over the top, very. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, what people do with Klingons. You know, yeah, you can just kind of really sink your teeth into it and get get hammy with it. Yeah, the guy from uh, Emissary. The background Klingon, not Gold Dukat, but the other guy who was just like, I'll get you, you dirty Federation <laughs> bastards! You know? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Gold Dukat is similarly... Uh, has a similar vibe to, right. to Garrick in yes. some ways. That There's yeah. like this sliminess to some of the Cardassian characters that carries through. But Garrick does it in a way that's charming and like it's, it's so fascinating. Amanda... Oh, yes, he was hitting on him. That's right. Thank you, Amanda. Oh, wait. You think Garrick is hitting on Julian? 100%. This is what I'm saying. This, of course. This this is... this. I think I think that is a huge part of the relationship, like I said, not necessarily addressed directly in the text, but certainly in the characterization of the actor. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's interesting. I never, I never thought about that. But I buy that. I buy that for sure. You know what else is really we'll good? We'll see it more as it goes on. Yeah. I'm going to be looking for that now. Yeah, yeah. That's, this is so... 
That's Circling the slash back, fiction that I want. The reason that I thought that Garrick was in the first episode was not because I remembered him being in it, because I put my notes separated by show, <laughs> and then underneath the first show title, uh, A Man Alone, I had written Garrick and Julian's relationship because it was a note to myself to like pay attention because I wanted that had been something that I had been mulling over and wanted to consciously think about from the beginning. Yeah. So I was believing my own note over my memory. <laughs> but yes, it's something I Dude, think that is I worth totally, watching. If I write something down, it's automatically more reliable than my memory. <laughs> so I get that for sure. The other thing that I'm writing down that you I'm trying to... You kept touching Julian? <laughs> yeah, totally. You like yeah. to caress him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing that I was trying to track is <laughs> the mystery of Odo and his comm badge. When Odo mm. turns into things, like in this one... <sighs> And he turns into a mouse. I think in the last one he turned into a chair. Right. But then when he comes back, he has his comm badge. And in some of them, it makes sense. Like, he's a fucking chair, so the comm badge can just be absorbed in there. Right. Like, the mouse, you're getting right on the line of, like, boy, that is, like, the bulk of his body has got to be a comm badge. It's just, like, <laughs> legs and a mouse com- head. You x-ray this this mouse, it's just a pile of goo with a comm badge, badge in the middle. In the middle of it. Yeah, that yeah, is hilarious. I never thought about because that. Because otherwise, you have to start to accept, like, he can put the comm badge into some mysterious pocket dimension where he gets his free <laughs> mask from and then bring it back. <laughs> or, or he's... Or he's making a comm badge out of himself that is not real and is decorative right. that's the other and thing. has a real comm badge sometimes and a fake one other times exactly and that's a part of the thing that I'm trying yeah. to keep in mind so so far it all works physically I know of one that's coming up where it doesn't work and I'm curious to see if he actually uses it within that context I think I prefer to believe that there's a, ma- a comm badge inside the mouse mm-hmm. you know I think anything else gives it immediately ten mushrooms. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Come badge inside the mouse for it's me five is like one mushroom. No, that's to me that's five. That's just like yeah, that's, the shapeshifter is weird, but once you accept that, then having having stuff inside of him like a goddamn gelatinous cube is is fine. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> um, bag of holding. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no, is a bag of holding. A bag of it's D and D stuff. You wouldn't get it. Oh. But, <laughs> Okay, so you know what other scene I really like? And you know what I think was really, really great character development? Even though the dialogue is a little stilted, mm-hmm. is the conversation between Odo and Kira, where she's trying to decide if she should, you know, side with Cisco or side with Tanalos. Right, she, right, right. And he, he basically tells her, you already know right. what you want to do, so just do it. Um, it. It shows this depth of history between them that I think yeah, is really Yeah, because cool. then he calls Cisco before she says, okay, go ahead and call Cisco. And she, and this is where uh, uh, her portrayal, the actress' portrayal, is really good because she does do a lot with her eyes there, looking up, almost like, oh, you're doing it. And then like, oh, right, but that is what I want to do. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting, that was a good moment. But some of Odo's performance in this moment was a little weird because he's like, she's like, I just, like, uh, he's like, do you want to do that? She's like, why? I used to be this. He's like, ah, <laughs> used to. You know, and he did that like three times with three different things, and it just was a yeah, bit much for me. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that is the stilted, heavy-handed Star Trek dialogue we all know and love. Yeah, have you ever noticed that every time Worf delivers a line, he always pauses before the last word. He's like, <laughs> I found our engagement invigorating, <laughs> or like, uh, she raised a point that was very. <laughs> Intriguing. Every line, just you'll never, you'll never hear it another way. And sometimes uh, people on this show do that too. It's a very Star Trek thing to do. I would say that these Star Trek actors all have a certain style. Yeah, 
And I wonder if it's like directed or if it's just yeah. contagious or <laughs> Kirk's uh, uh, set the stage for just like just throw in pauses if you need to. Like you know how all like everyone that we know started saying like baby at the yeah. same time. <laughs> it's just like one of those things. It's like that's a better way to say that word. It's just more fun <laughs> and then everyone starts doing it. And then maybe that's how acting is. It's like, well, I guess I should just <laughs> Pause. Pause. <laughs> um, that reminded me of actually something in the episode prior that we didn't talk about is the relationship between Quark and Odo, which I really love. I mean, they're totally like the Londo and Jakar of this show. And the idea that mm. uh, Quark being Odo's worst enemy is the closest thing he has to a best friend right. is really interesting. I love the scene where... I think actually maybe my favorite scene of that episode, besides Sirak Lofton being adorable, is the scene where... Um, Odo's been relieved of command, and he and then he offers to Cork. He says, "Would you, how like would you be able to use a shapeshifter in your organization?" And this like unspoken thing passes between them, where Cork right. has this moment of like bright eyed, "Oh my god, that'd be amazing!" <laughs> right, yeah. But then he has this moment of, "Oh, but it'd be Odo, so no." Right. And then he and then he decides to say out loud, it's, "You almost had me there," right. to kind of let Odo off the hook. See, I think it is a joke. I, I, think, I, think, I don't I think, think, think Odo it's a was. I was going to ask you about that, actually. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. You asked me about it, and my answer is I don't think it is a legitimate offer. Okay. I think he, because it is, that would be more against, <laughs> we have to choose which is, which least <laughs> like Odo's character is this. Is he being serious and willing to uh, start a life of crime, or is Odo suddenly the kind of person who makes really cutting satirical jokes on demand. I, neither one of which. Fits no, neither. Him, neither. But the making yeah. a joke is more likely to me. I think what Odo, I think Odo's deepest need is to feel like he belongs because he's always been the other. He's always been the only one of his kind, and he suddenly has no place to be. I think his need is to boss people around. Exactly. He wants to boss people <laughs> around in a place that he belongs, and and I think that he also wants to keep Quark in line. And I think yeah. that as Quark's chief of bar security. That would be a... And I also think that he really likes Quark and wants to hang, stay and hang out with Quark. I think Quark is the closest thing he has to a best friend. Yes. Even though they're, they are enemies, I think that he is... He, he, I think that he likes Quark and wants to be friends with Quark, but can't because of all of Quark's life choices. Right. It's like someone that he really admires their personality, but hates their decisions. Uh, and I think that he was being serious because he had a moment of weakness where he wanted to feel like he belonged with someone. It's the only place he could think of to be. And he also wants to keep an eye on Quark. Um, but I think that Quark would never would never go for it because he can't do his illegal dealings with Odo there, and he knows that. Um, and there's this moment of sadness when Odo is like, yeah, of course I was joking. And then he, like, looks down sad for a moment. <laughs> and that, to me, is confirmation that he actually wanted that. Yeah, fair. But I, I do think that that scene can be read either way. Yeah, yeah. And I actually read the... Fun headcanon. Yeah, I read the description on Memory Memory Alpha, and they, they sided with you. They said that um, Quark realized that Odo was joking right. in, in the episode description, which I'm like, oh, really? Because I, I never thought of that. It never occurred to me that that was how that was going down. But yeah, I, I love stuff like that. I love moments of writing and acting where there are like multiple interpretations yes. and depth to the relationship. I love that type of shit. Odo hates the game, but not the player. Yeah, and Quark Dabo loves the game, the game <laughs> and, and loves the player. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, back back to past prologue. Um, yeah, I think that. Oh, I think. Uh, I just want to call it the humans in their pretense. The, oh. Amanda mentioned that. We, you were saying that was a great scene between Kira and Odo. And yeah. 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 The, uh, humans with your pretense was a good... That is very classic Odo, where they yeah. do sh show him as 
the outsider that does look at human and Bajoran and whatever cultures with a different eye. So yeah. I thought that was a good call. Yeah, totally. I, I really like that scene. I, I really like Kira's arc in the story. I think her kind of... I mean, we have two episodes in a row that revolve around the, you know, Bajoran military characters, right. which are Odo and Kira, even though Odo's not a Bajoran, but he is part of the Bajoran military. He wears the uniform. Um, although, I guess it's kind of like an honorary constable thing. <laughs> I, he did, Could be. I mean, they, yeah. maybe that's a... If you went to... Bajor and then went to a small town maybe they would have constables you know yeah maybe maybe constable is just like the universal translators <laughs> translation of whatever word it is in Bajoran even though Bajorans write shifter in English um, <laughs> but yeah two episodes in a row where it's really about these outside characters learning that Cisco has their best interests in mind and right. is going to make the right call and and they can actually work with Federation law right and that's something I love about Star Trek is the idea that Federation law is supposed to be what is good and fair for all species. Right. Not just for humans. Right. Which I think is, I mean, all revolving around the Prime Directive. Right. Which involves, like, staying out of the way when it's not your deal, mm -hmm. you know? Like Cisco says, like, we can't arrest someone if they haven't done something wrong. Right. And I, they do test that in the show more and more, which is good. Right. Totally. I do question, you know, if a, if a known terrorist comes on board, and he was there to blow up the wormhole, <laughs> right. um, is it, is it, is it right to put him in jail when he gets there? I, you know, right. Probably not, but I think that's. I mean, that's. Odo wanted to put like Lursa and Bator in jail and call the Klingons and have them come pick him up. So far, if you let Odo lock up whoever he wants to lock up, he'd have done good. Yeah, he he let <laughs> Cisco putting kids in jail. He'd put Nog in jail in episode one. <laughs> you know what though? Uh, you know who Odo has to stop locking up? Who? His feelings. <laughs> 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 totally. Uh, what What did you think of? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm, no, I'm about to change this to the topic. So. Change away. Okay. What did you think about the plan? The the Cone Maz plan to blow up the wormhole. I I mean, uh, I think it's at its core a good idea from their point of view. If the wormhole, no, I'm sorry. It's it's it makes sense without looking too deep at it. If the wormhole is gone, then we can have our freedom. The trouble is that the Cardassians, I think, have shown that they would just go right back in out of fucking spite and, and, and vengeance, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how hard the Federation would defend them at this point in time. I think it would turn into a different sort of show were it to happen, but they, I don't think the Konma would get what they want out of it right away, you know? Yeah, I also think that the best chance Bajor has of, of not having something like the Occupation happen again is to join the galactic community and right. may, possibly even join the Federation because then you have Federation protection. Or to get enough technology themselves. They just need sure. to have an army of ships equivalent to the Cardassians. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're a, a, a whole planet full of people who have been oppressed for so long that they have very little left. I mean, they, they're not living in... You know, like skyscrapers, and right. they don't have all this built-up like fleet of ships or anything. They've been, you know, held down for for decades. So it makes sense to want to reach out for help at that point. Right. I and I think that that's the best way to have like to ensure that that the Klingons can't take over again. You know, Klingons, Cardassians can't <laughs> take over again uh, because if Bajor is alone and trying to look out for itself, it might not be strong enough to protect itself because they have been. Um, you know, held down for so long, they don't have the resources that they would have had left to their own devices. Right. What's weird is that the Federation wouldn't just protect them uh, out of hand. There's this, it sort of becomes this thing of like, we have to join the Federation, you know. I think the Federation is protecting them, you know, 
without joining. Like, that's why they have a presence at Deep Space Nine, is to kind of facilitate. Yeah. And, like, the Federation, by having these shuttlecraft that are, like, going out and helping with things around Bajor, you yeah, know, like, fair. beaming this Bajoran terrorist so then, on board, like, so they are helping Bajorans. So then the plan is misguided, because the wormhole has nothing to do with it. Right. That the Federation would still stay there and keep the Cardassians away from Bajor. It's it's more xenophobic thinking, like in... Oh, it's so weird, because so then, why didn't the Federation come in and liberate Bajor? You know, they're just, like, respecting right. the Cardassians' right to grab planets? Yeah, that's the weird thing about the Prime Directive, is that it kind of disallowed the Federation from saving Bajor because it's an internal conflict. Because because if you if you protect the Bajorans as the Federation, you put yourself in a position where you're going to go to war with the Klingons. And the Federation has had a war with the Klingons and it you know did not go well for either side. Uh, so they definitely don't want to go back to war with the Kling- the I keep saying Klingons with the Cardassians because <laughs> the Cardassian is a very powerful empire. Right. You know their ships are of like comparable strength to to Federation starships. So you really don't want to go to war with the Cardassians if you don't have to. And the Prime Directive Prime Directive dictates that if the Cardassians are committing atrocities outside of your jurisdiction, then you really can't intervene. Uh, and I know for a fact that there's some hurt feelings about that. They talk about that a little bit in Next Generation with. You know, Ensign Rowe talking to Picard about like the, the Federation has never helped us before. Maybe I should rewatch those, and that'll give me a better establishment. Because right now, it yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. You know, the the Bajorans kicked the Cardassians out on their own, and then asked the Federation for help, and right. then the Federation's allowed to help. Like once the door is open by them asking for help, well, they can go in. Where was the Federation fifty years ago when Cardassia was out snatching up worlds that it didn't own? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like. It, it was because they didn't have to go to war with the Cardassians. Because they didn't have to get involved in the internal conflict of other worlds, they are able to step in. Where was Enterprise C when right. the Cardassians took Bajor? That's what I want to know. Dude, the Enterprise C was getting ripped apart by the Nexus. Where was Enterprise B then? The Enterprise B was stuck in the time loop. <laughs> Sorry, what, Bajor. From yesterday's Enterprise. <laughs> all the Enterprises were all getting torn up. No, wait, I'm wrong. No, 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 no. Magic. Enterprise C is in the time loop. Enterprise B was ripped up by the by the Nexus. Excuse me. I got that backwards. <laughs> Enterprise A was Kirk's second ship. And then there's the original Enterprise Kling that Dessin. was destroyed in that in the third movie. And then there's also the NX01, which is Jeez. just retconning the fact that there was an Enterprise before that because it's not like a Federation starship. It's just a <laughs> it's a Starfleet ship. It just doesn't make any and the NX implies that it's a you know a extra class. It's, <laughs> it's like a, a prototype. A anyway. new extra. I just had a stroke. <laughs> that was pretty good. I was just proud of myself of thinking of Enterprise B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Enterprise B, captained by the dude from Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, Michael J. Fox's Spin City. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Alan yeah, yeah. Ruck. Yeah, he's on um, Succession, HBO Succession. Oh, what's that? Uh, it's like this um, drama-type show about a large media empire headed by this kind of dickhead old dude... And then his son is maybe going to take over, but then his dad, like, fucks him out of taking over the thing. And then there's all this, like, back-and-forth machinations. And huh. it's, it's interesting, if you like that kind of thing. It's There's, like, zero magic. Aww. There's no space stuff. Dude. But it's still pretty good. That reminds me. I just started watching this show called The First on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Hmm. Uh, it's a near-future sci-fi about the first 
uh, Mission to Mars. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Um, I've not seen it, but I've seen that it exists. And the the lead actor, I was like, that guy looks just like Sean Penn, <laughs> but it's definitely not Sean Penn. He's like a weird knockoff Sean Penn. Okay, that is in fact Sean Penn. It is Sean Penn. <laughs> He's in this show. I'm like, there's no way Sean Penn is in a Hulu original show. But he is. But it is Sean Penn. And uh, could be a clone of Sean Penn. I think her name is Natasha. McElhone or something like that. I, I might be forgetting her name. She was the 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 lead female character in Californication mm. and in the Truman Show. Okay, I love this actress, and she's uh, like the female lead on the show. She's kind of like Elon Musk of the future, trying to get uh, people to Mars. Okay. The first episode was fantastic, and it was like really subtle sci-fi where it it looked almost like our earth you know right with just a couple of differences and the fact that they're going to mars it seemed like it was set you know 20 years in the future or right, 15 years in the future right. or something. near future sci-fi yeah i really highly recommend it and okay. i also started catching up in the expanse i'm like halfway through season two and that shit is fucking awesome yeah, i need to rewatch season one i haven't seen any season two but yeah that's that to me is the show that fulfills the promise of babylon 5 to the nth degree oh William saying hi from the future that's right because we're in the past because we're on the old enterprise right now <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else <laughs> anything else in past prologue or is it time to vote on our uh, ratings I had some other small things in past prologue that yeah. just, it's these things that I remember having watched Deep Space Nine last year yeah. and now they're in my mind from the beginning like let's just beam people to ops when there's probably right. like there's five no other places. Room. No, but I mean, like they can beam people anywhere. That's that's firmly established. Yeah, uh, it, but it, like it might be. A, he's a dangerous terrorist, and they beamed him into the command, command center. center. And then also, <laughs> let's call the medical staff up here. Like you have a fucking beam. Put him somewhere. Like yeah. let's put him in medical prison. Why don't they beam people to the bridge? And why do they always call people to the bridge? I don't know. Like we need an engineering team on the bridge on the double. Take the turbo lift. Like beam him up. I don't understand. So this is in the in our. You, uh, you, they don't know it. You know it. In uh, Flight Space 7, one of the ongoing jokes we had is that Murdoch used uh, the beaming uh, technology to go everywhere. Oh, did <laughs> like, he? Yeah, anytime he's going that. somewhere, he would he would beam there. And then people were like, you're so fucking lazy. <laughs> yeah. Doug used to do... Uh, he does this show called Flight Space 7. He used to do it as a live acted like sketch thing and then it became a, a radio props. play. <laughs> the cardboard props. The original version with the cardboard props was amazing Thank like you. I really really loved it like the radio show is great but but the cardboard prop thing it was like a whole show that was just like the humans are dead music video from Flight of the Concords <laughs> from their TV show it was so great I and really you can it. never watch it because there's no copies there's anywhere. no it doesn't exist it's but just yeah, up, uh, up here the radio play radiolarp.com yeah mm-hmm. I don't have a channel but that sort of counts yeah he's got a podcast channel Amanda says why didn't Kira just fight back on the transport Oh um, yeah, that's that's weak writing. They do yeah. this a lot, where it's like, oh, uh, okay, she's knocked out, so now that, that can move the story to where we want to go. Like, yeah, she's supposed to be like a badass freedom fighter, but now yeah. one dude cold cocks her, and that's the end of it. And he does the classic Star Trek, like, like, <laughs> like, uh, what's this? What's this part of my body called? The palm, palm thrust. <laughs> this is the, the Push palm. your nose into your brain. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like right in the chin, and it knocks people out. <laughs> um, yeah. There's that those little logical things in this episode kind of make the narrative fall apart a little bit. Where it's it, the nitpicking, it, it, it's the fun nitpicking. It feels like they didn't have a reason to get from point A to point B, and they had to concoct one that didn't quite. Well, so much of Star Trek is that like we need to get from this point to this point, so let's do it with like techno babble, or let's do it with some sort of like 
weird motivation that makes sense until you really look at it. And, right. You know, they just, it's a lot of hand waving. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. what's more important is what they're saying now. Right. And in a show about ethics, it's important that those things make sense because for you to understand who's right and who's wrong ethically and like if the show is on an ethical side or not, right. the logistics have to kind of make sense. Yeah, but I feel like they still take shortcuts. They still do. Right. This part in the so show, too. they're doing broad strokes where it's like, right. oh, these, these, this group kills their own kind even at, not during the occupation. So these are clearly the bad guys. No matter what you see someone wrestling with, you at this point in Star Trek time know where they're going to come out because you know right. who the bad guys are. Right. I do think they get a little more nuanced and gray and complicated with it later on. But for I now, agree. it's still very clear cut. Yeah, and I, I wish it wasn't quite that way. I mean, Tanalos makes some good points, but then you know he's a bad guy because he's willing to blow up 6,000 Bajorans right. or however many right. it was. Um, and yeah, I mean, and because his character is so obviously bad because of his portrayal, it just kind of deflates the 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 points. Yeah. Do you see William's report from the future? They have Super Mario Ultimate. That sounds amazing. Ooh. I want Mario Maker to come out on the Switch. What's up, <laughs> Peter Griffin? Welcome, dude. Good to see you. Um, yeah, I mean, those logical flaws, and then of course the big one at the end where Tonalos just like surrenders all of a sudden. It, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're out of time for this episode, so it's time for Tonalos to surrender. <laughs> so okay, so what, let's rate this episode. Let's rate it, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Um. I, it's it's tough for me. Um, I I think it's a it's a it's a five and a half six five wow. five bars five strips no six six bars six, six bars six bars. I give it more than I would normally because it's the first one to really go into uh, the 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 Bajoran politics. It really sets up a lot of what comes next in Deep Space Nine as far as an ongoing thread. The previous one it was like flavoring. Of that, you know, the <laughs> Ibadan had a history with the, uh, the occupation, but that could have been anything. They could have made that something else. This was a core part of it. Of the occupation is important to it, and who right. who did what, who was where, that kind of thing. Right. So I'll give it a six. Yeah, for me, that I agree with you that it has more core story to kind of sink your teeth into. But for me, it's it's just a little. It's just like unsatisfying. They just. Uh, because of those plot holes, because of Tanalos' characterization, um, him just being like this smarmy bitch the whole time, it's something about... It's, I find it just kind of underwhelming. I'm going to yeah. give it a three. Yeah. Whoa! Harsh! I, mostly because it's just kind of like... For me, it's just a little boring. No, that's fair. I, I like that your scale goes that low. On yeah. the way over here today, that was another thing I was thinking when I was thinking, what would I rate this? And I was, I was, then my next thought was, how low would I go on a Star Trek thing? Yeah. And th for me, this is a, a scale of 1 to 10 for Deep Space Nine, not for, like, all TV in the world. Oh, I see. You know? Okay, wait, we need to make a new poll. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rating. Um, oh, let's just do this. We'll do lower than 3, 3, and you said 6? Yeah. And then higher than 6. Oh, yeah. That's, that's smart. Yeah, I think we did this last time, and I forgot about it. That's a good poll. Okay, so everyone in chat, here's your poll to vote on what you rate this. And then let me put this in our spreadsheet. So this is past prologue, and then I, you gave it a six. a six, and I gave it a three. Solid. I give it six kilograms of gold plus latinum. I looked this up. I looked up the, the conversions. It slips, strips, bars, and bricks. Yeah. <laughs> there are... Thanks to Justin Leslie. I, I think I forgot. I think there's a hundred slips... <laughs> 
in a strip. So I think there's twenty of- strips in a bar, and there's an unknown amount of bars in a brick. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, they, and then in this episode, they don't have that yet because they're going by kilograms. Early in the episode, they say gold. They just say gold. And then it's halfway through the episode where then they say gold press latinum. Yeah. And it's the Dura sisters in gold press latinum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm giving it. Oh, but you know what? This six, also has six bars. This does have the Garrick. I'm giving it a three because I like Garrick. You know, like the <laughs> other storyline. Is so dissatisfying, but even Garrick's storyline is dissatisfying because yeah. it kind of goes nowhere, and like the the Dura sisters' storyline goes nowhere. It's just like set dressing to get where you need to go with Tana Los. Mm-hmm. So the stuff in this episode that I like in the B plot is not even really addressed as being important as part of the plot. Right. So yeah, I'm sticking with three. I'm okay. Sticking with three. Yeah. Okay. What, what does Chad say? I give I give Star Trek higher ratings in general. We got a solid five. Solid five. In the chat. Boom. Let's go with that. Which is right in between us, so that yeah. makes sense. Okay. Favorite character in this episode? Garrett. Let me let me make the poll first so people can vote while we're talking. So you say Garrick? I don't know if that's my favorite, but it's in there. I'm waiting to trying to think of who else. <laughs> nope, nobody else is in this episode. Yeah. Good. I mean, yeah, who who else wants to nominate someone for favorite character? I think I have to go to Garrick, too. Yeah. I can't think of anyone else, because this episode is kind of thin. Does anyone else have nominations? If not, we're just going with Garrick <laughs> for Chad as well. Amanda gave it a five because Bashir is stupid, the Klingon sisters were wasted, and Kira was a pussy. Kira was a... She says pansy. Oh, pains. Those are similar words. All right, we're going with I Garrick. was a little shocked that she would call Kira a pussy, to be honest. So <laughs> I'm glad that I was using my old man eyes to read it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go Garrick. <laughs> Garrick is the only option in the poll. <laughs> yeah, Garrick is the only option. And I'm going to the same thing for best performance. For best performance, you're going yeah. Garrick also? Yeah. Nobody gets a vote. It's just Garrick. That's the correct answer. Um, We have to figure out what... Uh, that actor's name is though because everyone else gets their character oh Andrew Robinson oh good job he actually wrote an expanded universe novel about Garrick nice does anyone want to nominate anyone for best performance I feel like I, I feel like this is silly but Julian Julian's performance is really good in this episode because he has like shit to work with you know he has to like be dumb and he does a really good job of it like he has to be this wide eyed yeah okay. bushy tailed kid Who's like excited to be in this spy novel? Yeah, and yeah, I kind of, I kind of, so hard. It's like the the character is so unappealing here. It's hard to get past like, right? Oh well, the actor did a good job of making them unappealing. <laughs> yeah, but but I really like his performance. Yeah, okay. and I remember being a kid, he was my favorite character. Now definitely not because now I'm looking at the character more than the performance. Mm-hmm. But the performance I think is great. So we need you guys to vote between Garrick and Bashir for best performance for this episode. Also. Uh, Amanda said Odo is pretty solid in his advising with Kira, and I don't know if that's meant to be a pun. <laughs> yeah, because he's a shapeshifter. Um, yeah, that's true, actually. Should we put Odo in there for... Well, it can't be... Or, Amanda, if you want to vote for Odo for um, best character, favorite character, then we'll put him in there. It's Garrick. It's Garrick. <laughs> he's fine. Odo's nah, fine. Nah, she says nah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. All right. 
Favorite character? Garrick. It's Garrick, yeah. obviously. Chat says Garrick. All across the board. Um, best performance. I said... Uh, what is his name? Well, he goes by Alexander Siddig, but he was Siddig yeah. Elfadil and then Alexander Siddig. I'll just write Alexander. Yeah, go by what he calls himself now. Yeah, I don't know what he does now. I think he went back, but I'm not sure. Okay. I'll have to check that. Uh, and then... Chat said Garrick, right? Yeah. We're just, we're just telling the chat they said Garrick, even if they didn't. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then um, I give this episode zero mushrooms. Zero mushrooms. This yeah. is there's, there's no space magic. There's not in this even one. there's not even like techno babble level stuff. Well, there is a little bit with like the bomb, but it's all just like it's a space bomb. That's all you need to know. Yeah. How does it work? You put the one thing with the second thing, and then it blows up. Yeah. Why? Because that's the way the world works. It's dangerous. It's yeah. It makes enough sense for me. Yeah. It makes as much sense as it needs to. Totally. Yeah. I I didn't have an issue with that at all. The only thing that may stand out is where they have to hey, relay Marco. the information to the audience. So they make Bashir go, "What's that? I've never heard of it before." And someone's like, "Oh, you put it with this, and it makes a big explosion." He goes, "Oh, okay." Yeah, and he's like a very knowledgeable doctor. I didn't quite buy that he didn't know what bolitrium right. was because it's just something they make up for this. They don't even yeah. come back to it. It's like, if you happen to have an antimatter converter, which is exactly what he stole <laughs> from the Cardassians. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, it's it's very aggressively mediocre as far as as far as far Deep Space Nine goes. Yes, yeah. I it's, it's not, to me, it's not uh, the worst of Deep Space Nine by far. No, no. Not by, not by a long shot. Yeah. But for me, it's just like, too, too, too many plot stretching moments to kind of get where they wanted to go. Right. This to me is where we get to the point where I'd say it's obvious to me that Discovery's first 13 episodes are better because this one is like, oh, right, okay, they're just going to have some of these. Even though I'm giving it a six, I'm just saying, like, to me, that's dipping down into Star Trek uh, uh, quality. Yeah. I mean, you gave it a three. So. I gave it a three. <laughs> just because, you know what? Had to be done. It's like Star Trek gets five points for being Star Trek for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I subtracted some points on this one. <laughs> well, I think that's it for those episodes. Do yeah. you guys have any questions? We can just hang and chat for, for a little bit. we got a little bit of time if anyone, anyone has shit they want to talk about. Anyone advice in their life? Anyone... <laughs> you guys need to watch The Expanse. It is so good. Anybody have advice for our lives? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, any questions, this is the time. If you want to talk about Mario now, you can do that also. <laughs> it's like the, the, the ban on Mario talk has been lifted. It's so funny. People always want to ask Mario questions when I do sci-fi streams. Well, because you're the Mario wizard. Oh, Mario dude. I just got... Um, this is my new HD Super Nintendo. Oh. It's a brand new device made by this guy who like reverse engineered the Super Nintendo to make an HD version. Oh, wow. And then that... This cartridge is... Um, it's called the SD to SNES. And you can put... It's so pretty. You can oh! Put a, put a, um, so that's a cartridge player. You put memory things in that. Yeah. You only need one of these, and then you get different one of these. Yeah, so all or my games are on you can put multiple games now. on that. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Um, and then... So now I can play like ROM hacks, like yeah. hacked, hacked open versions of uh, Mario World. What is that called? HD Super NES? It's called a Super NT, Super made NT. by Analog. Hmm. Advice for Jesse, try more tabletop games. Yeah, I've only played one tabletop game. It was uh, the Star Wars um, role-playing game. Right. What's it called? I think it's called the Star, Star Wars, Wars role-playing role game. game. <laughs> yeah. You were there. We yeah. did that as a, as a podcast. Yeah, that barely counts as playing yeah, totally. role-playing games. Ryan was our uh, our DM, and he'd never done it before. And he seemed very stressed out. That was tough. That was, yeah. yeah. But I had a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, do you do 
Well, you do that. We talked about this before. Yeah, um, I had been in a game with Ryan and another friend of ours, Parker. Uh, and then Ryan moved to LA and Parker moved to Texas and now we're waiting to see if it's going to come back um, we'll play online I guess that's a thing people can do these days is play video games uh, play role playing games online and I want, myself I want to start uh, a D&D campaign sometime but I just need to find the right group and time so far I've just been writing notes on the world and adventure and I'm Ooh, like dude I'd be, I'd be so down yeah yeah I'll let you know when I get to that point I need more uh, I need more Experience. Gaming. Not to invite myself <laughs> to your own game. Feel free to not invite me. You're not invited. I'm just letting you know that I'm interested in case, you know. What is the theme on Ride Jesse? What is the theme? First of all, we have to decipher what that means. <laughs> what is the theme on Ride Jesse? What is Ride Jesse? Is it like a theme park attraction? <laughs> like the Jurassic Park <laughs> water slide? Well, if, if, if I were, it's, it's going to be Star Trek themed. Yeah, if I were a if I were a theme park ride, <laughs> I would be a roller coaster through the cosmos, <laughs> right? With a bunch of, like, um, <laughs> like you know, in uh, what's it called? Uh, Skin tight silver suits. <laughs> yeah, obviously. What's uh, in the Little Prince? You know how there's like a small planets, yeah, or like Super Mario Galaxy, <laughs> and it would just be like planets with people in like crazy spacesuits dancing to fun space disco music that you would like zoom past on a roller coaster through the cosmos. You're grooving down the cosmos. Yeah. That's exactly what a Ride Jesse would be. <laughs> hey gamer guy. Streaks of neon. Atari games. I've never played any. I've never touched an Atari. I've never played Atari. That's my first game console. Really? 2600. Because I'm hella old. What, what, game, what games did you have? I don't remember. It's been so long. Whatever yeah. was on the old twenty six hundred Pong, yeah, Adventure, the the D and D game. Yeah, they made a big deal about in Ready Player One. Katamari is your ride. Katamari is that game where you like roll around and collect shit, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks fun. I haven't played that. Yeah, I played it on. So I never had a PlayStation, but I played it on someone else's, and it's very soothing. Yeah, it looks fun. It's coming to the Switch. I was thinking about checking it out. I'm gonna have to buy a Switch. Yeah, the Switch is great. Pathfinder is fun. My friend of mine does a Pathfinder game. I haven't played it. Now that there's the Nintendo Switch Online, they released 20 S or 20 NES games, original Nintendo games. Oh. You have to pay $20 a year, but then you get 20 games, and then they're adding more games all the time. Nice. They added like a new version of the original Legend of Zelda with uh, like a bunch of cheats built into it. Like you have a bunch of shit. shit. Yeah, like an easy game. Like they call it like living in luxury or something right, like that. Right, right, right. It's so crazy. That's such a cool idea. I love that they're doing that. Uh, it's a port, Amanda of Katamari. Mm. Yeah. Anything else? Dude, what are you watching on TV right now? Uh, Succession. Um, that was the one that I'm trying to wrap up. We've, we've uh, been watching the Ozarks. Just finished season two of the Ozarks, which I really do like. What the fuck was I just watching? Oh, I was doing... I went through the um, Chronicles of Shannara for the third time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is great. I so wish there was a season three for that show. And that was canceled, right? I think so. It was it was like literally one of, or the most popular scripted show, MTV had, and then it's I, they were like, we're going in another direction. Weird. I hate when they do that. I know. And kind of like you fun. gave up on doing like music videos a long time ago. Just make make me good teen drama fantasy shows. Yeah, totally. I've been I've been well. I'm watching uh, the ones I already talked about, The Expanse and the first. Mm. Um, but then I uh, 
I also there's this new web series from Tenacious D called Apocalypto, mm. and it's it's called Post Apocalypto, and it's like a hand drawn shitty cartoon that they just like draw like one image for every like 15 seconds sure. and it's actually drawn by Tenacious D <laughs> and they write songs for each little episode right. and it's not good but I'm really enjoying it <laughs> it's like I just love Tenacious D yeah it's not like it's good but it's great you know? <laughs> and the song is so good Apocalypto it's so good <laughs> I really like it uh what else? Best casting for Alanon. Is that a character from Shannara Chronicles? Oh, yeah. Cubert <laughs> or Pac-Man? What is better? I have never played Cubert. Oh, yeah. They're both pretty fun. Yeah, Pac-Man's a great game that is too stressful to play. I played Cubert, even though I was probably just as good at both, which is to get to the third screen and then die. Pac-Man, it's like, eventually it's going to get so stressful that you're going to die. And it's like te- Tetris in that way, you know? It's very stressful propositions. Like, with Mario, it's going to be very stressful, but eventually you'll win, you right. know? I like games where you win. I do like Pac-Man, though. My friend Ryan is like a Pac-Man beast. <laughs> he has crazy strategies that I've never seen before, and yeah. he's, like, unbeatable. All really those good. games. Uh, um, Space Invaders, Centipede. I get about three levels in, and then I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Time Pilot was the only arcade game that I could do real Time well Pilot. at. Time Pilot. I remember that. So you started off with, like, a World War II plane, you shoot other World War II planes, and then you're like, oh, now I've got this thing, now I've got a jet, now I've got a spaceship, you know? Oh, cool. But yeah, is, are you talking about Snake? Whatever you said? What'd you call it? Snake. The thing where you're like a like you're a little dude that's not very long, and you're going around, and you get longer, and then you have to Oh, yeah, I hated that game. Ugh. Yeah. That was stressful. What other game did you say? Uh, Time Pilot. And Cubert. Cubert. Space Invaders. It was another one. Mm-hmm. Serpent or something? I didn't say it. Were you, is no. it was it on chat? Maybe. Maybe Would I, you hear something in your, oh. I don't know. I'm going to go back and watch this later and figure out what I thought I heard from you saying. I wish I could think of one right now to let your brain off the hook. Yeah, that's okay. My brain's <laughs> done for. Cool. Well, this was awesome. This is, yeah. I love doing this, dude. This is so much fun. Me too. Uh, thank you, guys. Check out, if you want to see those, those memes, check out the Instagram that we just started today. Very exciting. Yeah. And then we're back in... Uh, in two weeks. Two well, weeks. we haven't scheduled the next one yet. But we're going to try to do it in two weeks. Yeah, we're going to try to do it in two weeks. Um, yeah, awesome. I'll let you guys know for sure when we have all that scheduled and everything. Cool. Thank you guys so much. This has been Doug Space Nine, Episode 2. Talking about episodes of Deep Space Nine. Maybe 3 and 4, maybe 2 and 3, maybe 3 and 2, maybe 4 and... Th- just depending on what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even hitting a door plate. I think it's the, like... This is the USS Enterprise yeah. label. What do you think? What do you think is on this screen right here? It's those are just blinking lights. They're just like the gumdrop lights. I think it's. <laughs> yeah, I think someone's playing a video game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Bye, bye, Amanda. Thank you so much for chatting. See you, Marco. See you, gamer guy. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. That's going to do it for another edition of Space Nerds. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen on and leave us a positive rating and review. It really helps out. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash Sci-Fi. 
If you love this podcast, help me spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform, leaving us a positive rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice, or by contacting me directly via email at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. For more cosmic content, including my sci-fi synth-pop album, music videos, podcasts, and live streams, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!